What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Uh, I don't really have much uh, for an intro today, but I did want to say happy holidays and thank you for supporting the podcast and watching the show and being a part of it and to all the skateboarders out there and all you epic humans. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I'm really enjoying doing this podcast, so thank you. And then also, today's guest is Riley Shaw. And this podcast is a little different because Riley hit me up about being on his podcast. And we just kind of did like a double podcast where we interviewed each other. So it's kind of back and forth. Um, But yeah, it was awesome. It was nice to meet him. Really cool dude. And uh, safe holidays. Peace. I just love the skating and the scene. Rain, rain, go away. All I need is a skateboard today. Board today. Board today. This is the Shetler Show featuring professional skateboarder, podcaster, and All I Need Skate founder, Anthony Shetler. So everyone was, it was hot. Everyone was doing it. Yeah, they're looking for their dad's fucking metal skateboards in the garage. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Get on this thing. <laughs> Each episode brings you amazing discussions with interesting people from all walks of life. Kind of when skateboarding clicked for me and you learn some tricks or whatever and you get that appreciation from your peers, you know, the other skaters are like, holy shit, like, yeah, dude, that's rad. Admiration. Yeah, yeah that admiration or the, the affirmation. Real. Recognize real. If I didn't experience those crazy moments my life then these great moments would never be as great as they have been honestly like for me i just loved it like i saw those dudes i saw those videos and i was like holy fuck this is sick yeah this is what i want to do Yeah, but just like general errands and stuff like that. And then I did some Christmas shopping because that's coming up. Yourself? Um, Kind of the same. I did like a – I just went to the gym this morning, uh, tried to rehab the knee and stuff, and then did some Christmas shopping, uh, ate some food. Pretty pretty like average day, I guess. Nice. And uh, I know you did something to your knee, right? Yeah, um – so, I've gotten a few different answers from uh, doctors and everything, but basically, I've been told my meniscus is torn, I've been told it's just an ACL sprain, but uh, I haven't really gotten like a straightforward answer. It just kind of, it's pretty jacked, I guess. Did you get an MRI? Yeah, um, I did, but it was back in like June, and uh, they said it's been damaged since then. I just, I don't have the best health insurance, so I don't know if yeah. I want to get another one. It's kind of expensive. Fuck yeah, it is. They rob you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I did. Yeah. I've been through. Yeah. What's that? You got a bad knee, don't you? Yeah, I've been through hell with my knee. But to be honest, it's, uh, it's rock solid. It's been like, yeah, I'm fucking amazed, dude. Because, like, let's see, um, 16, I think, I tore my ACO. Okay. No insurance, just fucking trying to kickflip these 12 stairs in New Bedford, and uh, just landed awkward, and the knee buckled. Just skated, yeah. just skated through it, 
just like stayed off it for a long time, knew something was wrong with it, never had insurance, so I never went to the doctors to like make sure and just um, rehabbed it myself. I even got like a gym membership just to like, because I was like persistent. I'm like, there's no way I can't just work the muscle up and around it and below it and just like somehow hold this bitch steady. Yeah. So I just like went at it, dude, for years and years. And then like, I don't know. It's like right now, it's seriously rock solid. There's a lot of pain. I'm used to like a lot of pain, you know, like physical pain. Yeah. Just from skating, we actually have like a, a lot of us have high tolerance of pain from skating, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so like, I just can deal with pain well, and I smoke a lot of weed, which helps. <laughs> yeah. It helps relax if you if you're in a lot of pain all the time. But honestly, my knee feels the best it has in so long, and I de- I don't have an ACL. I never got it fixed. The one thing I did was when I turned pro. For world, I went and got a scope, and they cleaned out all the fragments and shit floating around, and uh-huh. and that made it feel like a brand new knee. To be honest, just like I must have had a lot of shit floating in there, because it was always, <laughs> dude, it was always swollen. You know, like I would skate, get like two days of skating good, and then it would be swollen again, and I just couldn't beat that. You know, and then um, once I got that scope, no more swelling. Sick. Yeah, but that being said, I have bone on bone, and I can feel that. Like, if I jump down, like, if I was going to skate, like, a 12 stair right now, just the stairs, like, the rail I could take because it's less impact, but, like, the stairs, if I was just going to sit there and huck, like, 25 tray flips or something, like, yeah. my knee would be destroyed, you know? Uh, I bet. Cause how, how old are you now? 35. 35? Okay. I have no desire to huck a tray flip down that many for that many tries anymore either yeah, yeah. <laughs> i already did it it's fun but <laughs> no but you've been killing it for a while um thanks you started skating in massachusetts yeah yeah okay. well, well technically new hampshire okay so i was living in new hampshire and the trailer park and this kid dale was out skating and he just he could do a kickflip already, and I think he could do a tray flip. And he was just... I went to this girl's house, because I remember she was like... Asked me if I wanted to hang out. I didn't know she had a boyfriend or anything. So I was like, fuck yeah, whatever. Just go hang out. Go hang out with this chick, right? And then uh, I got there, and she had like a dude or something. It was Dale, and he was tray flipping in the thing. And then me and Dale just became best friends, and we both forgot about her. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> that seriously, yeah, like... <laughs> Like, I don't even think we hung out with her anymore that day. I think we just, like, he got me into skating, and I, he had an extra board, and I was just like, fuck yeah. Nice. What about you? Um, I grew up, man, so I grew up in a really small town in North Georgia. I moved now, but I grew up in a, a place called Pickens, and my older brother, he got into skating, and so we both kind of got into it at the same time, and uh, my dad, he, like, I don't know how we had this, like, opportunity or whatever, but he was like, yeah, you guys can either get, like, I think it was, like, a go-kart or, like, real skateboards. Like, we had had the Walmart boards, but he was like, yeah, you can have, like, real skateboards. Like, get them from a skate shop or whatever. And we were like, we want the skateboards. Like, we don't care about a go-kart or whatever, so. Go-kart is tempting, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I was surprised, like, looking back that we chose the skateboards, but we did. I'm glad I did, so. Yeah, solid. <laughs> We both started skating, and just, I remember he was way better than me for the longest time. Like, he learned kickflips right away, and took me probably a solid year to learn how to kickflip or anything, but... Why do you think? Um, I don't 
don't know. I was I was bad at it to be honest, but it also made me want to work that much harder at it because I guess at that age, like I did like sports and other stuff, but uh, other things were fairly easy. Like you know, you can hit a ball and like you can shoot a basketball and stuff, but skating was different. So it was like it was difficult. Hold on, I'm gonna shut this off. Nice. <laughs> Oh, I should check my ringer just in case. Nice. No worries. Yeah, I was asking because, like, I've noticed for some people, like, they're learning stops because of the way they look at a problem or the way they handle the problem. Like, they're the problem, you know? Like, they can't, they hit a wall and their attitude or their unwillingness to, to, like, listen or to try a different way will stop them, you know, and it'll take them a long time to learn shit that, because of that. Yeah. <clears throat> I've been like that. I've been, like, trying to learn shit when I'm in the worst mood ever, and it's just not going to happen, you know? Yeah. That definitely could have been Paul. Yeah, because sometimes you meet someone and they're just, like, happy-go-lucky, and it seems like things are easy. I'm sure they're not, but maybe it's just the demeanor that makes things slightly easier. Um, so you kind of, I wanted to talk about this a little, you kind of had a, a little bit of a harsh situation, like, I guess, as a kid, and then finding skateboarding, correct? Yeah, yeah, um, you want the story? Yeah. Alright, so, let me see, where do I start? Okay, I had to have been, well, so, first, my whole life, I never really saw my parents together, like, from my conscious moment of, like, being aware of, like, the fact that I have two parents. I never saw them together. So they're already split up from the beginning. And then my next memory would be living with my mom. And when I lived with my mom, she was crazy. <laughs> she did a lot of drugs. She had five different kids with three different men. And she had issues she was running from. She just didn't develop into an adult. And she could, I think because she had a lot of kids and, like, I believe her father molested her and things that, like, she couldn't get over. I don't really know because my mom, like, what would happen when something bad would happen is she'd fall apart. And she was the adult. So, like, we were at her mercy. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're just trying to, you're, like, born into that. Can't really control it. So you're trying to just... Yeah. You're looking towards her for the guidance. and. Yeah, yeah. The feeling in my household was the bottom falling out a lot. Like, no safety, no security, a lot of, like, violence and unnecessary ugliness and grown adults that weren't adults but doing shady shit around kids and, like, just that type. Like, the projects. Not all yeah. projects, but, like, think about, like, that's where I lived and that's, we were government assisted. My mom couldn't hold a job. She had a busted ankle and she always blamed it on that and like basically my mom didn't function into a an adult that could hold down a job for a long time she had a, a lot of issues and she tried to self-medicate through drugs which didn't really help because she needed to be sober-minded to heal you know and she just kind of did heavy drugs and she relied on other people and she was a victim you know a lot, a lot of it becomes your mindset is that you're a victim when you get hurt really bad and then it keeps piling up and you're not even aware of that you're the problem and that or it's too hard to face the mirror of like damn like this happened that happened i compromised here and this is what you know like so for her she had that issues and then 
I would live with her, and the bottom would fall out a lot, and I was just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Which, but the good thing about that would be that I always, like, wanted to do good. Because I was like, dude, we can't, I can't copy these people. Like, I can't, that's not productive, that's not helping. I was always had to be in the position of the adult, where I was like, they, they couldn't understand what happened. And I'm like, well, what happened was you did this, and that fucked us here, and blah, 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 as a little kid, you know? And then, so, growing up, I felt like I was preachy to people, you know? Because I'm always, like, quick to notice something. I'm like, oh, we got to be careful. This leads to that, you know? Like, let's be aware. And, um... My, I, w- my f- I ended up living with my father. My father was in a motorcycle gang, the Devil's Disciples, and he was a great father. Like, I was living with him because the state would always give me back to my mom. There's been a few times where we had to go to court and custody, and my mom and dad were always fighting, and this is all pre-skating, you know? Like, I was just dealing with this, and I was playing sports, too. Like, I like basketball and baseball, and my dad let me, you know, he got me into those, and that was sick. He got me into boxing and a little martial arts. But I'd always go back and forth. I'd end up with my mom because she's the woman and my dad was in a gang. So, I don't know. Maybe in court it's easier to argue that out. Um, Harder to prove she's a drug addict, but easier to prove he was in a gang. So, like, I'd always end up with my mom. And that was a bad situation. So, my dad... And I love my mom. I I love my mom completely. Like, um, I know that her life was not easy and she didn't... No one chooses to live like that, you know? Like, there's just bad things that happen and some of us get over them and and some of us don't is like i don't know like i've never had what happened to her happen to me so i can't even begin to think how much of a wall that to hurdle over that would be but um anyways my father kidnapped us twice he just came to our school with like his buddies and they looked all official in jackets and aviators and like they looked like cops basically like and he just like came up to the school twice i remember this and just took us across the country from Massachusetts to Arizona. And, uh, yeah, so I was living with my father, basically. They they didn't know where we were. My mom probably didn't know where, where we were. She was freaking out. And then um, I lived there in Arizona for a while. And then uh, after that, everything was good. My father took us to church, which was pretty sick, like, because there's, like, happy, positive people. I'm not religious, but, like... He tried to bring us around, like, morality and people that had, like, um, some sort of morality, you know? And, uh, yeah. So we did that. Split. Went on to something, I guess. Yeah, he, like, helped me develop, you know? Like, at that time, I was so young and I already had bad habits. All my sisters are smoking and doing drugs and they're little kids still, you know? And, like, my... Yeah. yeah so, like, it's like everyone's falling apart, but, like, my dad gave us structure and he, he never brought drugs around us. I didn't even know anything about violence with that gang or anything like that. He never, he always kept it safe, and so I was allowed to develop until about 13, and then the bottom falls out again, because my dad was like, hey, he actually asked me, he was like, is it alright, uh, he asked me, my sister, and my brother, he sat us down, and he's like, is it alright if I go to this, like, um, trip to Boston, because we were living in Arizona, and, uh, he's like, is it alright if I go, it's like a funeral for someone in the motorcycle gang, and we were like, yeah, go, because we knew we were going to go stay in California with his friend, you know? So we are like little excited kids, like, we're going to go to California. And we're like, yeah, go. And so he goes on his trip, and then the call comes that he's been shot, and that we have to fly across the country to go live with my mom, basically. And uh, so he was in, I guess he went to a funeral. He was on his motorcycle, they're in like a pack of motorcycles, and they're going to the funeral of the homie. And then I guess a car pulled up. Shot into the group, ran some people over, ran my father over, and then uh, he survived, but they they said he's going to be paralyzed for life. So he was in the hospital for months after that. We went to go visit him, 
Like, we flew all the way from California back to Mass. I was staying with my mom. We went to go get, visit my father. And that was super hard because he couldn't even lift his arms. And then, like... And my dad, I'm telling you, he had, like, he had pythons. He, like, used to work out like crazy. He knew martial arts. He was, like, he was, like, Superman, you know? So, like, that was, like, super fucking mind-altering to me because I was, like, Jesus Christ. Like, I never pictured my father not being able to, like, stand up or, like, lift his arms up. Like, that blew my mind. Like, that's your, like, savior right there, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that, that happened. And I just remember it was tough when I... It's fucked up when I walked in when we walked in the room to see him I remember he just started crying because I imagine it was because we had to see him like that he had like a hole in his throat like he couldn't move his whole body and he was super skinny because he had been shot and like fucked up you know and trying to fight for his life and uh yeah yeah that fucking just fucking fucked me up completely because I instantly was like whoa like things aren't permanent like I always thought I'd have my dad and he'd be my dad you know like strong and I always thought that would be there. I didn't think that, and that just like that made me snap. Like I lost it for a while there, just thinking about that. And then he ended up passing away like a couple months after he. Uh, I think they tried to move him to a hospital back out to Arizona or something, and he didn't make the flight. And then that really fucked me up because it just gave me like, it just made me realize that things are finite, you know. And it made me like I was already anxiety written and already like super on edge so then that made me realize like things are finite oh shit like might not be here you know like this every second right now it gave me super excited because i'm like every second is like a second that's gone and who knows you know like so but all that from all of that i've gained um considerable drive and focus and uh a lot of patience and like i I bump my head against walls trying to figure things out all the time because of this upbringing like i always want to be right or not that i want to be right i want to be I want to live a good life so I can be healthy, happy, and help those around me and not be a problem. Because that's the worst thing. Like, I want to carry my own weight. I never want anyone to have to carry my weight if if not possible, you know? So, but yeah. So that, but thank God, like, right when my father passed away, I was living with my mom. We were in New Hampshire in the trailer park. That's when I met Dale. And then right from there, we ended up going to New Bedford, living in the projects by the high school over there. And that's when I found out about Solstice Skate Shop, so I was, I was skating for about a year, and I found out about a skate shop, and they were, like, so cool, and then I got turned on to skating, video parts, all the boards, all the t-shirts, people's opinions, like, the fact that there's crews, and all this fucking, the skate world that it is, you know, and then I was just like, none of my problems mattered, because I was like, oh, this is all I want to do, it wasn't even, like, a question, it was like, these people are cool, this thing you'll never beat, and it's fucking en- endlessly entertaining, and, you you know, just trying to learn to balance on it, and then do tricks, and, like, the fact that you could do all that, and then seeing all the videos, and, like, just blew my mind, so, then I just, that's all I need right there, you know? Yeah, in, in a, it's like, I'm in, like, a secret, like, society or something as a kid, like, when you discover it, because you're just like, what, there's... You keep finding out more, you know? It's like, oh, I can... You can do tricks on this thing, and then you're like, oh, there's... There's shops, there's sponsors, people make videos, it's just, there's video games, like, everything just seems like a new discovery at that age. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's like, it's like a whole world that you discover, and you just have to learn all the names, and all the styles, and all the characters and personalities, and then just, it's insane. If you're, imagine if you're, it's like Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) Something weird to compare it to, but I don't know, dude. (laughs) How about how about you? What about what about uh? How was your upbringing? 
My upbringing, it was, it was pretty good, um, but it was definitely, it wasn't typical, I would say, like, definitely had a good family situation, like, my parents, they're still married to this day, but, uh, I mean, I was homeschooled, so that's kind of a little unusual, you know? Like, I didn't go to school until eighth grade, public school. Yeah, so, that's, that seems strange, because, you, were you socialized? Did you go to events other, if you weren't, yeah. you were, or... Yeah. My, my parents did a good job about making sure that, like, I wasn't just kind of contained because uh, I think a lot of, like, kids who are homeschooled or whatever get a bad rap because they're not very social and they're kind of awkward or, like, strange. Not that I'm not awkward or strange, but, you know, uh, me and my brother, we would always do events and stuff. And, like, once we found out about skating, it was, like, skate park every week. So that was, like, our kind of crew and everything. Um but it was definitely, it was different, like, I would wake up, I wouldn't wake up at, like, 6, get on the bus or anything, wake up at, like, you know, maybe 9, do school for, like, 3 hours or something, and then, uh, we both played guitar and skated, so we would either play music for, like, an hour, or go skate in the driveway or something, have, like, a little flat bar out there, so we would do that, but, uh, yeah, big family, um, my older brother, he's adopted, so that was a little different. Like, uh, he's Asian, so, like, he was adopted at a really young age, and that was just something kind of different. Like, I mean, I've always grown up knowing he's my brother and everything, but some people might see that and kind of ask questions or something. And then we did, uh, my parents did foster care as a kid, or when I was a kid, so we would have, we would, like, host different, uh, different kids and different families sometime. And then we also ended up adopting my now younger brother. He came and lived with us when he was five, and now he's 15, so... Wow, that's so cool, man. So you had, like, some complexities and storylines and narratives you had to learn about how people grow up and... and Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. That's pretty cool. I think it helped me, like... I don't know. I I think since it was, like, a little less structured than the average person, it helped me... uh, be able to relate because I, I mean I feel like I've seen like a, a different sides and I can kind of understand like why people are the way they might be um like I have one friend kind of similar story to you where he's just kind of maybe like a broken home and everything and used to get angry a lot as a kid but like I guess I kind of was able to see why why he was like that and I was I don't know. I've always tried to have empathy. It, it's something I had to learn when I'm, as I've grown up or been a little more conscious of, but. Yeah, it's something we're going to have to keep remembering, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like that. I was super angry. And, like, I, it's so easy to dismiss that person as an asshole, you know? Yeah. <laughs> And they probably are, but that doesn't mean that's all they are as an asshole. It means that maybe you don't know what they're going through. Like, nobody... That's my whole thing, is I'm like, nobody wants to live a shitty life. Nobody wants to be unhappy. Like, if you could if you could design your life from the beginning, you wouldn't go, hey, I'd want to be a dick to everyone, you know? Yeah. You'd be like, no, I want to have friends and family and comfort and safety and, like, your needs, you know? And then be modest, so... Yeah, for sure. That's cool, and that's it's good to hear that your parents are still together because a lot of parents break up, man. At least where where I'm from, there's a lot of broken families and and parents that didn't keep it together. And I know like they 
not all relationships should stay together, but I just like when I hear, like, hey, my parents are still together, they're in love, it's been 20 years, like, because that means they've been working at it for 20 years and growing together, which is unbelievable. Yeah, I I mean, there's definitely broken families around here and everything, but uh, I I feel like as far as uh, out of my friend group and everything, they, they might be one of the only ones that are, like, still together and everything, though. But, uh, I don't know. It's It's been good. I'm, I'm really glad and fortunate that I did have that situation growing up because it's always been kind of like a, like a safety net to me. I mean, like, I think you need, like, a support system or something, whether it's, like, family or people find it through their friends or whatever it may be, or through skateboarding. Skateboarding was definitely one for me as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We all need a community. We all need people to like to play roles. We gotta, you know, everyone's trying to contribute and help and move forward. And if we can all do that together, <clears throat> that'd be amazing. I like yeah. this. <clears throat> Excuse me. You good? I just like I, one thing I want to say though about going back to my upbringing is I've never ever used it as like an excuse. Like I've never tr- tried to use my um. My upbringing is like, this is why I am, or I'm angry at the world, or whatever. I always used it as, like, fuel to be, like, try to be better, to, like, do better, to not hurt people. Like, to try to not keep those same demons that my mom had, not to spread them, not to keep them in my life, not to pass them on to anyone through my actions. I tried really, really hard, because some people, when they're young, and they they like to, like, glorify their pain, you know, and, like, revel in it. And it's like... You want empathy, but, like, that goes on. 25 turns to 35, and you're like, this person's still, like, wallowing in their own pain, and they could have corrected it by now. It's just like, you know, the whole thing, misery loves company, and, like, there's plenty of people you can find that all you can do is hang out and complain and curse life, you know, and be pissed off all the time, and an excuse to stay and not develop and grow into an adult, you know? Like, so, that, and that was my, my mom's problem, and she fucking never got over her issues and her pain and she used drugs to run from it and she kept her she kept weak ass people around her because she was one and they just all wallowed together and it just created hell on earth you know and it it affected people that were innocent bystanders you know so yeah so but that's important to me because i I know how easy life's hard for everybody i don't care what family you're from how much money you have there's problems on all spectrums and they're all felt individually so it's like we just can't use our problems as excuses as to why we're not developing and growing. It's hard to become an adult and uh, take on responsibility and stand for things, you know, and it's scary to fucking do that. But it's yeah. it's necessary because you have to figure out when you're growing, you have to go, you have to stop sometimes and kind of define yourself. Go, this is what I am right now. That way you can know what to move past, you know what I mean? Like, okay, right now I'm this, I'm stubborn, but I'm this, I'm... I'm dedicated to this, that, and then you can keep going and growing. But most people, like, define themselves and then they feel like they're stuck to it, you know? Yeah. But it's an important part of the process. Is, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think uh, I think your situation definitely made you more, like, uh, aware of it than a lot of people, I would say, because I think there's a lot of adults that still aren't aware, aware of it, that they need to be, like, consciously... And constantly, like, uh, developing and thinking about their actions because, I don't know, I, I like people who have a lot of passion and aren't afraid to, like, go after something or just live, you know? Because I think a lot of people are content with just kind of 
going by through life without like any passion but I think that's what you need to like succeed and to kind of be gratifying for yourself or like uh fulfilled I guess yeah, I agree 100. Compla- complacency is not good either, you know? Like, pe- I, I know tons of people that grew up and they just try to f- listen to everyone and follow all the rules and, like, they were complacent, you know? They never niched out their own life and then those people they followed and all those rules came crashing down and they had no real experience about anything and they've always just listened to people and they didn't live their life. They just went on for other people's stories and rides that they let people tell their lives to them and it's like... That's not good either. Like, t- taking the easy road is the worst thing, you know? Like, even if it was just comfort and safety, it's like, you gotta kind of figure it out, you know? Like, life is a live, moving thing, you know? Like, you can't just, you gotta experience all of it, you know? Th- that's the one thing, like, when I grew up is, like, I never had much safety, so because of that, <clears throat> I gotta experience a lot of depth and emotion and, uh more than most adults experience in their whole life sometimes, you know? And it, But it, there's, like, sweet joy that comes from it. As fucking dark as things can get, you know the opposite end of that spectrum exists, too. Like, so I feel things... Sometimes I feel things and I'm, like... I have joy a lot, you know? Like, because of that depth of, like, feeling the opposite so badly that I know, like, I, the, the ends are crazy, you know? The truth's somewhere in the middle, you know? But I, I know a lot of people do that. It's easier to be, like, a sheep and to listen and think people are going to make it safe for you. Like, a lot of people just listen to the government or listen to the teachers and listen to these people and they tell them to do this. And then all of a sudden a recession hit and then all those uh, college degrees that, you know what I mean, that are no longer good or they listen to the church and then all these scandals break out and the church doesn't have answers. And, like, it's like... Yeah, it's like you should, you know, you should always question something, you know, like you should be trying to find out your own information, your own knowledge, even while you're learning, you know? Yeah. That way you're not a victim, you know? It's like if you rely on other people and other systems to build your path for you and put you into the slaughtering machine that is life, then that's what you're going to get, you know? For sure. Sketchy. Um, (laughs) So I want to get into, like, uh... Finding skateboarding, solstice skate shop and everything, um, I guess all that passion and everything, did you kind of put that into skating that you had, like all those, uh, I guess those troubled times and everything, you said it kind of helped you to like turn that world off a little bit per se, um, what was that like, I guess like finding skateboarding and like progressing and just, uh, did you get... Did you, like, try to get sponsored or anything, or... Yeah. So, so when I was in school... What, do you hear that? Yeah. A little feedback? Oh, it's better now. Okay. So, I was going to school, like, I was in middle school, and, uh... I was super angry, and I was getting into fights. I was looking for fights. I was on my Mike V shit then, because I was, like... <laughs> I was looking for fights, because I was... I felt, like... Because I would sit around school and I'd listen to these kids that were like, they had such minor problems, you know? Yeah. And it made me resentful because I would go into school with like a heavy heart and like violence the night before and the cops and like shit like that. And then I'd hear these kids like being mean to like someone else over some trivial shit. Like, I always I always like question it because I'm like... They must not know, they must know nothing but safety because they're free enough to be careless with their words to someone. They don't know what that dude's been through and they're picking on him or they're being shitty. And it's like, to me, that like really fucked with me in school a lot because 
I just was trying to get there without crying, you know? Like, I just want to get through the fucking day. And, uh... Yeah. And so that was bothering me a lot. So I'd get in these fights, and I'd always pick a fight with some dick. or so. I was just so I felt right about it. And then, um... But then the skateboarding, Solstice and those guys, they were like... I went to high school, I hit, like, freshman, and I met those guys, and I started, like, really getting into skating, and just, like... No, I didn't want to fight anymore, because I was like, I just got to figure out how to keep skateboards under my feet, like, how to afford it, like, it was just like, I just, and then once skating was there, I just couldn't not f obsess about it, like, fighting didn't even come into my mind, so I just, like, loved skating, and just kept doing it, because it was more therapeutic at this time, it wasn't like, you know, I knew about sponsorships and all that stuff, and I really thought about it, and I was like, that'd be fucking amazing, but really, at that moment, it was just how can I go skate, because I don't want to go home, or how can I, you know, I don't know, I just, I, I love skating, because everyone's so cool, whenever you had a board, and if they had a board, they'd say something cool to you, or you'd cheer some, for someone, and they're always pretty rad, you know, like, oh, skateboarders seem to be open-minded for the most part in all walks of life, you know, and so, so to me, that just always fired me up, I was like, this is fucking sick, and, uh, Jay was super cool to me, Jay from Solstice Skate Shop, and he told me all about that world, and then, he had teams come to town and do demos, which was fucking amazing, because then you get a meet-a-pro. You're not just watching the videos, you're not just reading the magazines, you're, you're like, skating with these dudes, and they're real, and, I, and uh, you know, one of the ones was Fiberro. They'd come down, and those guys are so personable, like Steve Rodriguez, and Mark Nardelli, and Emmett Bennett, and Aaron Susky, Perry Morgan, Josh Moretti, um, there were so many dudes, John Hoisington, they had such a sick team right then, and, uh, they were like a family, you know, because Steve was starting a brand, and he did it how he wanted to do it, and he picked the dudes that he thought shredded, and he picked, like, diverse people, and, like, he would do it right, he'd build communities, and he would go on tour and bring the skaters so they could all meet, so you'd want to buy their boards, and you'd know them, and you'd want to pay attention to their content, and stuff like that, so he would, and we'd go, and we'd do these demos, and full submersive, hang out, really get to know people, and it was amazing, but to back up a little bit, they would come do demos, and uh, I was a young kid, and obviously, like, I was obsessed about skating, more than most, because I'm at the park even when everyone's going home, because I didn't want to go home, so I would just keep skating, you know, I was like, oh, this is like, and I had anxiety, so like, to me, to play with a piece of wooden wheels and try to solve problems and figure them out was like perfect to keep me occupied from like crying and going crazy, and I've had, I've had thoughts of suicide in my life that like, like now it brings me to tears to think about that, like I would never do that, you know, like, but that, at that time... I had, like, I was, like, a lot of shits on your shoulders, and I didn't know how to carry it, and I felt alone, so, depression, all that shit, so, like, to me, to play with a skateboard for hours on end was, like, perfect, even if, like, even if I wasn't landing shit, it was just, like, I could throw my board, I could get mad at myself, and no one was around, you know, I could just, like, get my aggression out, you know, Yeah. so I just did, I did that, and then, uh, Jay started, uh, I started filming, because I learned about video parts, and, like, that, and I thought about sponsorship, because I needed product, because I didn't have that much money, and, like, I used to hustle money, and I started getting jobs, like, um, dishwashing jobs, and then, uh, my sister would help me out, she was, she worked a job, she'd save her tips, and get me skateboards, and shoes, shit starts to cost money when you get good, you know, because... Yeah, you're running through it faster, you're skating more. Yeah, now, if, you, if you're doing nothing but skating 24-7, which a lot of my life was that... 
because I, I just because I needed it for therapy, you know, and like uh, you just go through shit really quick. So then I started looking at getting sponsored. Is like, all right, I need to do this because I want to keep skating as much as I am because it's helping me develop and figure out who I am and get over these issues. And it's tremendously fun and all the people and like. If you want to just have leisure and playtime, like, you can do that. You can do anything with a skateboard, you know? However you want to approach it, it's your art, your style, it's a piece of wood, wheels. However you want to manipulate it or however you, whatever energy or approach you want to put into it, that's something I love about it. It's a very free thing, you know? It's not like there's a coach. There's no, there's no set way to do it. And everyone's open to that, you know? We can fight it out and argue that online, but passion is going to decide, you know, if you belong, you know? <laughs> Because there's tons of people that push manga that don't give a fuck. And they shouldn't. Who gives a fuck? Push however you want. Like, yeah. like dude. It's, it's trivial when you think about the things that, uh, I guess, make up, like, skate politics. Like, it's, it's funny because you, you look at it and it's still skateboarding. It's like, it's still the best shit ever. So it's like, it shouldn't really matter if, if a guy wants to do, like, bonelesses off this double set or whatever. Like, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what they're Like, you know? He's... So, I'll do his thing. Yeah. It's funny, though. I do want to say that funny factor, though, wins, because I've been that dude where it's like, you got to make the joke, even though you don't mean yeah. it. You don't mean it. You know, you're like, oh, I'm going to make a joke about that dude skating or whatever, because there's a joke lined up there. And then and then I always tell people, I'm like, whenever we're on tour and, like, shit talking comes up, which it does, because you're, you're in a van and everyone wants to talk about what they like or, or why they don't like something. And it's just like people are passionate and they just want to talk it out, you know. And there's yeah. there's always jokes in there and I got to say them. It's like, it's a disservice not It's a disservice not to. And the only thing I say is that I can dish it out and I can take it. So I hope there's another tour van out there of the opposite of us making fun of all of us right now. And they're good jokes. <laughs> yeah. That's my whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, our connection's a little wonky. Is it all right on your end? Yeah, it's good on my end. Okay, cool. Yeah, fibro to to flat flash uh, flash forward a little bit. Uh, I started making sponsor me tapes, recording every trick I could do on anything I could do, scouring New Bedford, getting in arguments and fucking with security guards and all that stuff, and just but getting the clips, making two minute sponsor me tapes because Steve R was like a firm believer. And, like, working hard and earning something and that no one's going to give it to you. And uh, he made us earn everything, you know? Like, he he did a lot for us, but we he made us bust our fucking ass to do it. He made us look the owners in the eye of the shop and thank them and shit like that that, like, people don't do, you know? Like, there's vans of people out there touring that are sitting in the van just getting fucked up and not even meeting people. And just, like, relying on their cool gimmicks to try to sell something, you know? Like, he would make yeah. us go in and talk to the kids and the people and everybody. And it was like, that was work. You know, as a little kid, I was like, this is sick, though, yeah. you know? And uh, then he just, my first trip with Fibro, he literally took me from the projects of New Bedford to uh, Japan, which was insane. Yeah, I went there, culture shock, like, fucking blown away. But uh, really enriched my life, you know, just getting outside of the U.S. and give me a whole perspective on things because I was so stuck in a bubble of, like, anger, pain, just fucking New England ugliness that we have here sometimes and, the, you know, the worst of it. And I just needed to get outside the country and see what it is. And he took me out. That was so sick. And then from there, I, 
I skinned for them for years. We did non-stop demos, and he hooked me up with enough boards always, and he helped me get other sponsors like Spitfire and Thunder. He put me in touch with the guys at Deluxe, and I ended up going out there and skating with all those dudes and checking out their operation. And again, another huge opportunity. I have Steve Rodriguez, like the mayor of New York Skateboarding, like helping me get hooked in with SF and Deluxe and Thebo and Gabe Morford and all those dudes. Like, I was out there with Ernie Torres, Peter Rondetta, Chris Tremblay, like, Huff was around, like, all the dudes. Anybody you can imagine from that time. And, uh, yeah, so, like, that just helped me out tremendously because now I'm not just local, you know? Like, I'm not just some local kid on the East Coast. Now I'm, like, moving around. And uh, it's because of the opportunities with Steve and the fact that I was so free because I didn't have anything holding me back. Because school, I was like, I'm going to finish school because I didn't like to quit things, you know, and I already was thrusted into this situation and I, I like challenges. So I was like, I'm going to give this a fucking, I'm going to at least finish it, you know. And it wasn't hard. It, the hard part was managing my anger and my emotions while I was there because I almost failed because of uh, absences. Because I, I just didn't want to fucking get out of bed. I didn't want to go. I'm like, no, I'm going to go deal with some stupid shit and listen to stupid shit. I was just super mad. <laughs> I had a lot of issues. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, then I, I just finished high school. And then after that, I was like, fuck this. I'm fully going to pursue the skateboarding thing. Like, I don't give a fuck. I could be... You, like, I don't... I've lived off of nothing my whole life. I feel like I was born into a recession, like... I'd, I wasn't worried about money or anything. I was just like, I'm going to figure this out. And I knew I could work if I needed, you know. Like, I, f I knew I could, like, be personable and meet people. And if I needed to get a job, I, al I knew I could. Like, I always relied on my work ethic. So. That's sick, though. Um, so going to Japan and everything, were you still in high school then when you were getting hooked up and everything? Yeah. Or was that after? You no, know, no, that was. That was like... My timeline's so so fragmented. I'm sorry if it doesn't make sense, but uh, no, you're good. I think it was like 17, 16, okay. 17. I went to Japan with those guys because I remember like I almost didn't finish high school because I had so many absences, and I think it was that trip actually that. So I might have been seventeen, eighteen. So that trip I think was the one that put me over, and they told me. Like, I never even went to graduation. I was like, fuck that. I'm done with this thing. I don't even care if I graduated or not. But I went on this trip knowing that it was going to put me over the absences. But my grades were fine because, like, I, I would get the minimum done. I would just do it because I'm like, I just want to pass this, you know? I actually yeah. <laughs> I actually had a moment where uh, <laughs> I would just, like, cheat off my friend in math class. <laughs> and he was just down. I was like, all right, well, I'd never have to do homework again. <laughs> Until they caught on to us. So. <laughs> but, uh... But, uh, yeah, and then I remember they were like, yeah, like, months later after high school, basically, um, the principal ran into my mother somewhere and was like, why didn't Anthony go to graduation and get his diploma? And, uh, she was like, oh, he, he passed? And I was like, yeah, he passed, all right. Oh, oh and the one catch, the one catch was they kind of lured me back in because they were like, yeah, he's passed, but he has to make up for the time, so he has to take a class, summer class. And, uh, oh, oh, shit. yeah, so I just did that. I was like, okay, typing, because I just am pretty good with computers and typing, and, like, it was, like, easy, because I like the challenge of, like, not looking at the keyboard and, like, typing words per minute and, like, writing out okay. stuff. I like, I liked, I liked that a lot, and so I did that, and Brandon, Brandon Westgate's dad was in my typing class. <laughs> he was, like, in his 40s, and he's just, like, finger-packing, like, doo -doo -doo. I was like, and I didn't know it was his dad at the time. 
Because I, I knew Brandon, but I, I didn't really know his dad that well. And uh, <laughs> the whole time, I didn't know it was his dad. I'm just, like, looking over this, like, dude with a mustache that's way too old in the summer class. And pecking away like a caveman and I was just like this dude is not he's not going to be any he's not going to have anything to do with computers why is he doing this and then later on I found out it was Brandon's dad and it's <laughs> so funny <laughs> his dad's the best dude ever though <laughs> that's yeah. funny looking back <laughs> yeah strange oh, oh. did you know him at the time I didn't no, uh, no I didn't know Brandon's uh, dad Gotcha. I only knew looking back because I met him later on, and I was like, "You were my typing class." <laughs> and then I gra- so I graduated, and my I gave my mom my diploma because I didn't plan on doing anything else with school. One, I didn't have fucking money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. literally, growing up, I would have no money for even clothes and shit. Like, I had to like, I had to hustle to get that shit. It was a lot of fucking hand me downs and free clothes and food from whoever's charitable. You know, like. Yeah. So, like, I didn't have money. I didn't... I wasn't even stable enough to work, really. I would work, but... I could work, but I just, like... Again, trying to manage my emotions and my thoughts and not go crazy as hard, you know? I liked the dishwashing job because it was frantic and, like, multitasking and, like, a lot of shit going on. So I just could be in my Fantasia mode. Like, too much shit to do. Just keep it going, you know? Not thinking, you know? Basically, I use work as, like, a not thinking mechanism. Although, like, my work has changed now. It's a lot of thinking. But back then, I just wanted, like, mechanical shit and a lot of it. I could juggle a lot of things at once just to keep my mind occupied and off of, like shit I just couldn't control, basically. I got you. Yeah, but skateboarding helped with that again, once again. Like, thank God for skateboarding, because you can just skate and get in the moment and, like, break a sweat and, like, get lost for hours. Like, I get lost... Like, the other day, I skated for, like, four hours. I had, like, four, three sessions. Like, it's so cold here. I went outside, and it was... I stood out in the cold for 20 minutes, and I went back in. I'm like, dude, I feel like I just... Like, I could have another session, because that was an ice bath. So I just had had another three hour session. I just skate till I couldn't skate anymore. You know. Sick. Yeah, it's it's fucking sick. <laughs> and then yeah, so I wrote for them. And then Birdhouse, Donnie Barley, yeah. Donnie Barley reaches out to me, which is like saying out loud is fucking sick. You know, like yeah, coming from. Oh. Yeah, coming from the East Coast and just knowing w- what Donnie had done in, with his skating and his ability and his style. And he was like a trailblazer out here, you know? He's the older dude that was just crushing it. And in Revere, like skater, like s- street skating, style of the year and stuff in Trans World. And like everybody knew Donnie, you know, his push and like his approach, his attitude. Like, so to have him call me, he's like, yeah, I'm riding for Birdhouse. With Tony Hawk and Willie Santos and Jeremy Klein, and there was like young dudes like John Goman, Sean Eaton, Matt Ball. Um, but he just basically told me like, "Hey, they're trying to rebuild and restructure, and I want to try to get like an East Coast Am." And he looked out for me, and I was like, "So I had to go back to Fibro and just kind of like break up with my family, which was like the closest thing to a family I had at that point, you know, and like." Uh, so I had to tell Steve, I was like, and then it came down to money, you know, like, cause with Steve, with Steve and Fibro, it was smaller than we were, he always told us that, he was very honest about everything, and I love that, he was like, look, man, like, I can take you on trips, and I can give you product, and like, I can help you find sponsors, and I can try to help you build a skateboard career, but it's, it's gonna take a long time, and there's gonna be ups and downs, and you're gonna have to work for every little bit, and even then, still might not happen. 
of course, me being fucking thinking I can beat the world always, like, I just, like, didn't even think about those words. I was like, whatever. I, I, lo- I believed what he said, but I just was like, not a problem for me. Like, you're talking to me, yeah. dude. You're talking to me. Like, you can overcome anything. That was, like, my attitude. Because kind of, partly I had to have that attitude, but... Uh, so then I got the chance to ride for Bates and Tony Hawk and all those dudes, ride with them and skate with them and travel, and I just couldn't say no, and they were willing to pay me, because Steve couldn't pay me. He's like, you know, we're growing this thing, and it is what it is, you know? So Donnie was like, yeah, I can get you a paycheck, and this is like an unbelievable opportunity. And so it was really hard for me to go back and just talk to Steve. I talked, I knew he'd be fine with it, but like, I don't know. The thing about it was, like, it wasn't just me. What ended up happening is, like, I went, and the thing is, like, me and Westgate were, like, inseparable, you know? And and even the team manager for for Fiberrow was Seamus Deegan. And me, Seamus, and Brandon were, like, kind of, like, you get one, you get all type deal. Just because we're, like, we would just link up and all we would do is film and skate. Seamus would film us. That's how we made our career, basically, or whatever you want to call it. Seamus... And me and Westgate would link up and just film all this stuff. And then we just started... Seamus was, like, the mastermind, you know? Like, he was the fiber... He helped build up Fibro for years. And then he started, like, kind of talking about things and talking about Birdhouse and talking to Donnie. And then Donnie reached out to me and I said yes. And it just... I knew... I knew what was going on, basically. They were going to take, like, a portion a portion of Fibro's team and bring it to Birdhouse, basically. And... But it started with me. I said yes... Um, and then after that, Brandon Westgate, Susky, and Seamus ended up moving from team manager, from Fibro to the Birdhouse team manager, and Filmer. So, like, that was super hard, you know, because I was like, God, we just took, like, this company that built me up, we just took their, like, half their team away. So, yeah, yeah, that was rough. But Steve was, I told Steve, I told him, I said at that time, and I feel like an asshole for saying this, but I told him, I was like, I was like, I don't like. I don't think I could have what you have if I stay on Fibro, and like, I want to have my own thing. Like, I told him that. Okay. I already knew that then. Weird. I was like, I want to do my own thing one day, and like, I don't think I can have it if I stay here with you on Fibro. Like, it just, I don't know if I'll be able to get that. And this is an amazing opportunity to like go do some shit with a lot of people that have done crazy things in skateboarding and it's Tony Hawk and there's money involved so I can like even focus more on my craft because I don't have to worry about a full-time job you know like I could just obsess about skateboarding on a fucking it's as on like the level the highest level you can you know so yeah I, I took that opportunity needless to say you know yeah it was the next step I mean yeah and thank you Donnie Barley because he's the one who like sparked that thing i think he wanted a bit of east coast on birdhouse and he just he knew he knew my story you know like i was always very verbal and any interview i ever had i tried to express myself because i i knew i was a fucked up individual and like i knew i was socially awkward and that i was like different than people in a sense that i don't know i just could tell i could feel how people perceive me so i just always wanted to explain myself so uh, Donnie, he heard my whole story, and I always explain myself and try to match up my words with my efforts and things like that. And it was so sick that he gave me that opportunity, and and he ended up helping me, just knowing who I was and how hard I was skating. He's told me that a lot. He's like, "Dude, you're killing it, and you're a good dude." And I was like, 
And that's why I did it. So I, Donnie's the fucking the Don, awesome. the Don forever, you know. Yeah. Sure <laughs> so did you go on tour with them? Um, like, did you travel a lot with Birdhouse and everything? Yeah, yeah. So I, I went to Tony's house. I skated at the skate park. I saw. <laughs> yeah, I saw Riley Riley Hawk before he was like Riley Hawk. He's just a little kid and like. Um, it was so sick. He was super cool. I went to... It, at that time, Birdhouse was in Blitz Distribution. So, Blitz Distribution was like... Elwood! Blitz Distribution was like Baker, The Firm, I think, um, Birdhouse. It was multiple brands. And so I got to see all those teams and all those people. And I'd go into the... This, the, um, the, like, art studios and, like, Jeremy Klein's in there, like, doing hookup shit and birdhouse stuff, and I'm just seeing all these dudes, it, that was sick, I would just go in there and annoy the fuck out of everyone, but, and just skate in the parking lot of these, like, Orange County, uh, in, like, industrial areas, you know, where all the, where all the brands are, they're in these big flatlands, and, that was sick, birdhouse actually gave us a 16-passenger van with a gas card, and they paid our, our, um, they paid our rent, so we had a spot in Long Beach, and it was like me, Westgate, Seamus, Matt Ball, Shawnee Inn, John Goldman. We all just piled into this, like, second-story apartment in Long Beach. In Long Beach, this was, like, right when it was starting to pop off. Everyone's moving there, and, like, Cherry Park's coming around. It was a little before Cherry, but it was it was coming, you know, because skating was boiling. And, uh, yeah, that was so sick. And then we traveled the world, like, um, we went to... Spain and Portugal. I went. I I done a lot of traveling with Birdhouse. That was trip, and I got in a bunch of magazines. Like you name it, because I wanted to be pro. You know, like if I was gonna, yeah. if I had this opportunity, I was I was looking at it like I didn't want to let. I didn't want to blow it basically, because I had other dudes on the team. Like for instance, Matt Matt Ball is a good example of this, and I hope he's doing well now. But I haven't seen him in a long time. But he made he made riding for Birdhouse really awkward and hard for me because. His justification was he was from Vegas, and it's cool. So, like, he thought being shitty and sneaky and shady and making fun of people and being manipulative and abusive with your language was, like, fun, you know? And to me, I was like, I can't deal with this shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, he never did it to me, because, like, he, but he did it to, like, Sean Eaton. He would just say shit to Sean, and I could see him, like, affecting Sean for... It was, like, selfish little mind games and shit, and, like, he was... Like, being negative or, like... Just like, yeah, like, like giving him self, self-esteem self issues and like self-confidence. Uh, like Sean looked up to Matt, you know, and like Matt yeah. took advantage of that on many levels. And I, I haven't talked to Matt about this and I hope he listens to this and we can talk about it as adults, you know. But, and, and he just drank too much and he did like shitty stuff that you're like, dude, this is going to cause problems. But to him it was like he was had an image and he was trying to be like this next pro that was kind of sketchy from Vegas. Like whatever his thing was or whatever they are idolizing at that time. So he made it hard for me, but everybody else was, like, fine, you know, like, um, but yeah, I just remember that, being like, damn, you know, but I also had a lot of good times with Matt, so it's really hard, because, like, <laughs> you know, I'm a young kid, and I'd like to be reckless at times, you know, I never wanted to hurt nobody, but, like, I wanted to get into some reckless shit, and we'd get into some reckless shit, and we had good times, but, but, like, I don't know, he made it hard for me, and, uh, but that's fine, whatever, I gotta travel, all that stuff, I got in all these magazines, shot with, like, you know, Atiba and Dave Swift and all these, like, legendary photographers and filmers and gotten all the videos, every magazine, because I wanted to get, you, you know, to me it was like you have to be in every magazine, get a checkout in every magazine, 
That way, everyone knows who you are, because why the fuck else are they going to want to buy your boards? Like, skating, yeah, obviously, but you got to get it out there. So we did the print, every magazine, Skateboarder, The Skateboard Mag, Trans World, Slap, like, all of it. I would just link up, because I wrote for Birdhouse. I was the M. So Birdhouse, you know, Seamus would call up all these dudes, Joe Brooke, all these dudes that shot for these heavy magazines in Southern California. And I was just, like, willing to get down and approach skating in a way that it was, like... I wanted to get shit done, you know, because I didn't want to blow the opportunity and opportunity and I don't know. I wanted to do the most I could. So I did that. And I, t you know, maybe I was unbearable at the time, too, because, I, you know, maybe a little too focused. I should have had more fun at times, you know, but whatever. I just always worried about having the bottom fall out on me, man. That's like ingrained in my DNA is that. So like I work to the bone. So even that skating, because I'm a firm believer that uh, I'm a firm believer that nobody escapes work because even yeah. when you get what you want you still got to work at it like work your work ethic shouldn't change whether you have a bazillion dollars or zero we all owe work too because we have to not be a burden like there's rules to this fucking society in this game and we all have to carry our own weight <laughs> exactly we have to carry our yeah. own weight so no one else has to and you can be a productive person and like carry your weight and I, I've seen that played out I've seen all sides of that played out and it's not a good thing you know so like I just like that's how I approach everything is like I'm just gonna work and get it done you know and I appreciate I, I appreciate all those trips all those people I met, like, you know, and I was the coherent. I wasn't really doing any drugs. I would drink a lot. I drank maybe a little too much then, but, like, occasionally. But, like, I always decided, like, you know, if I'm going to have a blowout, I'm going to have a blowout, and then I'm not going to drink for a while after, you know? So, yeah. like, so I was coherent, made a lot of great connections, amazing people. I helped them by getting them content and getting their photos ran in the mags, and they helped me, vice versa, and, like, people that I have, like, great relationships from that you know whereas like other people looked at it as like almost like a popularity game or they're trying to do some it's like just let your skating speak you can still have personality and expression and whatever but just don't burn bridges and you know like it's hard when people are developing not everyone has my background or went through what i went through some people have enough noose to hang themselves because it, they can you know it's like kids that go off to college and they like make some really bad mistakes because they you know real life happens and you're like oh shit some crazy shit happened you know i i was fortunate that i went through a lot of trouble a lot of hell in the beginning that it scared me from all the pitfalls i like am very aware of how many pitfalls are out there in life for people to fall into they're everywhere this, this world is designed to fucking chew humans up and it breaks my fucking heart because Humans are the actual resource that we should invest in, you know, not not just try to build schemes to market and sell them bullshit, but actually like build it up and grow together and work together and make money together and make people healthy and happy so they can work and want to work on things, you know, like not put all this poison out there and make it so easy for people to get that is like, you know, like I don't want I don't want stuff to be illegal or whatever. I just think we need to invest on like real healthcare. Like go in and actually figure out why people are the way they are and figure out their emotional issues and try to actually build a system that can help them become productive. Not just put them in prison, not just make them an addict on pills or whatever money making marketing bullshit they want to do to us. Like it's it's breaks my fucking heart cuz to me What's the point of all this bullshit if humans aren't healthy and happy to enjoy it and be a part of it? Like, it's just materialistic shit that doesn't matter. But to me, it breaks my heart because 
people value money more than humans. Literally, yeah. we go to war over money, something that's not even a real thing. And we send real human souls and people to war to die for just shit that does not matter. It does not yeah. matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, and that to me is like, that's horrific, you know? Like, we have to... It's harsh reality that, like, that's out there and everything, too. Because, I mean, it's just the money. It, money, greed, uh, people being selfish and wanting gain even when they have more than millions of other people, but they just want more and more and more, and they're fighting over these resources and everything, and... I don't know. It's pretty fucked up. Well, Riley, picture this. Picture this. You're a young dude, right? And you work your whole life. You have focus, drive, all this stuff. You invest into McDonald's or whatever it is. And you start McDonald's and it becomes this billionaire machine thing where it's just like, this is so world-crushing thing I created. And then it's like, all of a sudden the world changes. And they're like, yeah, it's not healthy or whatever. And, not, and I'm not saying McDonald's not. I had McDonald's last night. But I'm just using them as an example. Like, fucking... Alright, here's another one. Like, maybe you demonize weed, right? Because you're the sugar thing, and you, you know, you just, there's always a compromise. So basically, you try to get your product into everything, and you don't even care if it's helping or hurting humans, you know? And tobacco is one of those things. It's like, they knew what they were doing. They added so much shit in there that was to make it addictive, and all the marketing ploys, and all that shit. And they're just trying to make money, because they all had these, like, it's like, how do you adjust when the world changes and now we have the internet and people can communicate and talk about this shit and now your business plan is not working. You just, they just seem to double down and keep trying to go for it, you know? And it's like, how do you let that go? It's like you've built your whole life trying to do this and then in your later years of your life when you're about to leave the world, why would you give a fuck? You know, you still want all that nice shit. You own all those mansions and cars and the way you're treated. And you don't, how could you let it all go? You worked your whole life. You probably had purpose and drive and it probably made sense then. That's the whole thing about the ride is like you come in new, you fucking learn the whole ride and then you can actually figure out what you want to do and how to do it and you can conquer the world. But, you know, yeah. it's not yours. You have to let it go. Everyone dies and we all have to know that. It's borrowed time, you know? Like, I learned that real quick with my father, like, the frailty of life. Like, this this is only temporary. It's a temporary ride, and it's like, you don't want to inflict damage and hurt people. We don't want to leave, you don't want to leave it worse off, you know? And sometimes people build these structures that they are bought and sold and disconnected from the roots of the reason why it started, and then it becomes this machine that's larger than humans to the point where they're sending people to war, human lives to war, over their resource that it's like, let's just change resources. Let's just approach this, you know, but it's like money and lives and all the shit on stake. So, I mean, time's going to be the truth of this all, you know, like. You can't take it with you when you leave. I mean, no, all no. the materialism. Yeah. Can no. I see something? Uh, when, you, when you were traveling outside of the States for like the first couple of times, did it help you kind of, uh, did you gain a new perspective on like coming back to the States or did it, uh, did it make you, like, I guess, bitter or, like, think about the states in a different way? Because uh, we're, since we're so, like, capitalistic and, like, uh, I mean, there is, like, a lot of wealth, I guess, but there's also a lot of uh, divide. And uh, whereas, like, some people have so much and then others are just struggling for the necessities, like... Yeah, I, it did. It did 100%. And what I always like to say is that we don't have a real poverty. We have, we don't have like, 
In America, we have a poverty of, like, mind, you know? Like, people's minds are poor. They're, like, striving to hit the lottery. Like, I'm, that's why I say nobody escapes work. I'm like, <clears throat> you guys are delusional. You were told that you're the greatest country and the greatest people and that, you know, everyone's going to be a millionaire. And, like, you were sold a dream. Like, that's what it is, the American dream. And to me, it's like, it shouldn't be the American dream. It should be the American experience where we actually experience those dreams, you know? Like, we live those dreams. Don't just sell them to us and then have these bubbles burst. It's so fucking shady. But, uh, yeah, going to other countries, I was like, I saw that... There's, they had, like, different rituals and things, and they took time. They didn't work all the time. They had, like, communities, and they a lot of different countries have a lot of good ideas on how to live a fruitful life that's not about conquering and destroying everything, you know, and being number one if you're not first or last, you know. Um, so when I would come back from those trips, yeah, I just think about the homies, and I'm, like, try to tell them, I'm try to show them, try to be, emulate it, like... There's a depth to things. This doesn't have to be so shallow where you just want everything, you know? Like, yeah, traveling helps because it gets you out of your bubble, you know? There's definitely, we're indoctrinated. Like, we definitely have our own TV shows. We have our own radio. We have our own da 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 And it's like, you you got to get outside the bubble so you can kind of reflect and look back and then know how to fix it, you know? I mean, that's kind of part of growing, too, is like, people like will take psychedelics or whatever so they can go out of their mind. And lose it all and go into chaos and then look back at their life and be able to look at themselves from outside their body and come back and be like, oh, I could do this different. Like, things are crazy. You know what I mean? You kind of scare yourself and you come back. It's just like, people get stuck in routine every day, you know? If you work a job every day, your time is like... The problem with life is that your time uh, is bought up by people and you got to work for them, you know? And nobody escapes to work, you know? And they know that, you know? So... They'll employ people and keep them prisoner just because they know that they need a job, you know? Like, yeah. and not everyone has the skills. That's a lot of things I say to people, young people around me, is I say, you know, just get any fucking shitty job and just go to work and, like, learn from it. So you, it'll give you hustle and drive to not want to do that rough job. Like, those rough jobs are actually great jobs. If you can, like, my thing, too, like, I work, I work at this uh, warehouse spot doing like screen printing and embroidery and I worked with people and they hated their job and I was like I don't hate my job like I like having money I like having work I'm it's not what I choose to do but like I like this and they'd hate every day and I'm like well now you're just a prisoner you know it's like uh, yeah you're stuck to me I would put headphones on listen to podcasts and explore the cosmos of humans and ideas and comedy and music and just the art of life, you know, I was like, they can, even if I have to, even if I owe work and I have to work and do this right now, I'm not going to be down on myself, I'm going to ex expand, you know, however I can, If even if I have to be stuck here, you know, and the time somehow with, with listening and everything, like, you're still growing. Yeah, yeah, because I was, I, I always listen to, like, I try to listen to people that are passionate and have things to talk about, even if they don't always know what they're saying, but they're, you know. It's awesome. That's a good thing. This podcasting thing is amazing, you know? So I'm hyped that you were hit me up about this. But the thing I would always say is, like, when they said they hated their job or they... Or, like, if I talk to someone young now and I was like, why don't you get, like, a dishwashing job or learn to bust tables and talk in front of people and serve, you know? Like, to serve is a hard thing to do, you know? And uh, and they're like, oh, this is, like, a shitty job. I'm like, well, work your way out of it. Get any job. Like, the problem is you can get work. We live in a country where you can get a job. Like, you can. There's other countries that you can't get a job. Like, that's the thing is we don't have, like, a real... It's people's mind. It's not the actual actual fact that we don't have jobs and work. It's that people think they're better than that work. 
to go go fucking prove it. Go get that job and be the best version of that job you can. And guess what? You'll work your way out of that job because you'll you'll realize I don't want to do this anymore, and I've mastered it. You got to stay at it for a while because you know learning takes time, even if it's something simple to do. And it, you know what's a hard thing to learn how to do is interact with people over six months, a year, and like learn to like these people and learn to work with them and help them and like them to do that to you. Like we all need work, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so that's my whole thing. It's like. If we're in the most powerful country in America, right? Like, what are we complaining about? Like, let's go to work. You know what I mean? Like, let's just make these jobs mean something. Like, our time means something, you know? Um, this might be backtracking a little bit, but uh, I wanted to ask you, have you ever done any psychedelics or anything? I know you smoke. Um, yeah, once. Derek Fukuhara. Once. Okay. Yeah, my good homie Derek, because I ended up riding for World, World Industries. We can get to that in a little bit, but... uh. Yeah. Derek, I became friends with him when I rode for World, and then uh, now he rides for All I Need, uh, my skateboard brand, and he had me come out. Oh, no, I got a free trip out to California to go to one of the street street leagues, and I was like, fuck, this will be interesting. Like, I'm not really into street league because I'm not into, like, taking skateboarding and putting it in a box with all these rules and whatever. Like, to me, it's like a sport, you know? And I'm ha I'm happy those dudes are in it because they're fucking amazing. Like I sat there and watched the show, and I am in the sports, but I just don't like looking at skating as a sport because like if I want to watch a sport, I'm gonna go watch the Celtics, I watch the Pats, like whatever. But anyways, I was like I'm gonna go just to experience the craziness that is street league. And I flew out there, and Derek met up, and he he gave me like a microdose of mushrooms. It wasn't much, just microdose, and I did that, and we just skated around. LA, and I was just, I felt super high, that was it, I didn't have any like trippy, I didn't have any experience besides, I just felt like I smoked a ton of weed, and it lasted for hours, and I skated for hours, because that's what happens, like if I smoke weed, I like, could do anything for hours, like whatever, I'll go skate for hours, um, but yeah, I just did that, and then I went into street league, and that like blew my mind, because I walk in, it's a fucking sports, dude, it's a sports stadium, there's people lined up, and there's like, Grown adults that clearly don't skate, but they got like P Rod signs and they got their like oh their jerseys and shit. I was like, this is real. Like I knew it was real, but like to see it and uh, and then I'm in there and I'm listening to the people in the crowd and they're like talking about the skaters like as if they're athletes and they're like they clearly don't skate, but they know all the stats and shit. They're like P Rod's gonna take a win today. He said uh, <laughs> average on the 8.4. Uh, I don't know if he can pull it off, but, uh... Backswing Niner, he's about to pull it, <laughs> whatever the lingo is. And, uh, yeah. I was just, like, so high, just, like, watching this, and I was like, this is quite the show, like, it's such a production. It's not what I want to do. <laughs> like, I, like, it's not, I wouldn't want to be tra trapped in that, that mouse fucking, or that rat race, but, um, the fact that they can do it is amazing to me. Like, I just could never do that, because, to me, skating was always, like, an outlet, it was like an escape from any pressure. It was just like, you can do whatever you want. If you want to be great, be great. If you want to be shitty, go throw your board and break it. Like, be angry, whatever. Like, it was never like, it was never like, hey, I want to add up points and beat someone. It was never that. I always wanted to be like, I want to skate with people. I want to meet them again. And like, I wanted, I didn't care how good they were. I just wanted to meet someone that was like, that found skateboarding interesting. And that, I still have that obsession to this day. Probably why we're talking, because it's like, the fact that you, you've skated and you've loved it and you've done it for so long makes me go, there's something in there because it's similar because I have the same feelings, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, it was such a trip. and I, But I didn't feel like I was on any psychedelics. I would do some, though. But I'm just like, 
I don't know if I'll go out of my way, but if it ever came into my life, I'd entertain it. As long as, it, like, I would do it once and see how it is. You know, I'm super cautious about drugs, any drugs, because I don't want to cause any problems for myself. So to know what drugs my body can manage and how I can handle it is a good thing, you know? Like, so I found a good balance with coffee and weed. Gotcha. <laughs> I don't even know where we're going with that. But, yeah, that's my psychedelic street league story. There was, there, there was, sorry, there was one clip, though, I filmed, and it was, oh, man, it was a time lapse, and it had to have been, a, like, seven minutes long, and literally, those dudes, it was during practice, all those dudes, no one fell for seven minutes, and, um, it was, like, switch flip back lip, it was, like, double flips, it was, like, all the crazy, imagine them all, big spin heel flips, the late 180s and shit. For seven minutes, I had a time lapse. You can't even really tell what they're doing, but I knew what it was because I was so far away. But I was like, dude, they didn't fall for like seven That's minutes. Nuts. Yeah. That's insane. I know. I fucked up. <laughs> And I was like, well, that's how you do that. You got to do that. You got to like take your skating to the most utmost extreme and like keep it at that. You have to keep redlining it. Until you get that good, you know? And, like, to me, that's not as fun as just taking skating however the fuck you want. Having a personality and being able to, like, be a part of community and just figure it out another way, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, like, a completely different world, I guess. Yeah, and I, I'm not mad that people like that. Because there's, like, some people kill it at that, and that's how they look at skating. And I would never want to tell anyone how they can look at skateboarding. Who the fuck am I? Yeah. <laughs> But I do have opinions, you know? Like, if you ask me, Mongo looks uglier and ugly and isn't as practical as pushing regular because you, you don't have your center of balance already. When The thing about pushing regular is you put your front foot right behind the front bolt, you lean into that, you find your center of balance. Once you have that, you can push right from there, put your foot on the tail, and you're gone. With Mongo, you have your center of balance in the back and you're swinging your hips over to it. And it's not practical when you're street skating because a lot of the spots have short run-up and, like, it's too, like, it limits you. So, pushing Mongo, but I'll say this, if you can do both, now you're at an advantage. Look at Chris Cole. <laughs> true, true. Because there are... You need the power from the back foot to get, like, the, the quick pushes, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. But just knowing how to... The, the, the thing about why every kid's on a scooter nowadays is because it's fucking easy. That's why every kid's on it. And the thing that they're robbing themselves of is finding their cen center of balance without having to hold on. So that's why skating is the best one, in my opinion. Obviously, I'm biased. But to me, it's not attached to you. You're not holding on, you know? Like, you literally just have a piece of wooden wheels, and you have to figure out how to stay on top of it and then manipulate it and stay over it and land on it and find real balance without holding on. So yeah. that's the most free to me because then you can ride any which way. You can do, you can flip any which way with any foot. Like it's just a matter of how much time and effort and practice. So to start off with your center of balance and your front foot and push from there, you have to start there. You know, you have to learn how to balance. So that's the very fucking beginning. It's almost like if you take it back all the way to surfing, that's what they're doing. They're learning how to push up carve and balance and ride riding is the best thing about skateboarding you know so and then you get past that and then the ollie is the most truest thing because it's a matters how much effort you put into it and it's always fleeting because you're you're all you can keep going up and up and up but one day it's going to go down and down and down and it depends on how much effort is how long you're going to have a good ollie so 
those kids are robbing themselves of something because it's harder to do, so they're not getting the benefits. They're just holding on, and they're like, they're hitting the age 16, 17, and yeah, they're still going with it or whatever, but it gets so fucking extreme where they're going up, the upside down and doing flips and triple tail whips, and it's like, you could do that with skating, but you don't have to, because it's always something else to do. That's hard. There's always another trick. Like, go out tomorrow and try to learn nollie half-cap kickflips. Like, good. Go learn them. Once you got those, guess what? Try it the other way, you know? Nollie, fakie, switch. Like, there's too many, too much variety, you know? You don't have to get to that extreme with skating. You can, but you don't have to. No one has to be Nija. He can be Nija. That's a game, a prison by his design. He can enjoy that. He'll probably get a lot of money and show it off to everyone because he worked hard for it. Good for him. But I don't, I don't, like, that's not, to me, to me, that's not me. You know, that's not skating. To me, that's not my version of skating. I couldn't do it. Because, I, I don't know. It's too much. It's too much. Maybe I physically can't do it either, what he does. But, like, I still, that was never my intent, was to get, like, gnarly, gnarly, gnarly. I got gnarly because it was fun and addicting, but... I don't know. It, those things become, des- you know, like I say, you design your own prisons a lot of the time. So you got to think about like what you really enjoy, not what's going to just make you the most money. You know, like you got to think like, how can I actually enjoy life and make money? You know what I mean? But like, I don't want to have to like do something that's shitty and feels like work. You know, like imagine if you could just work on things that you cared about and things that made you feel good and helped you grow and helped you develop. Those are the that would be an amazing job, right? Yeah. <laughs> But we have to learn to work first. Everyone want to be a fucking millionaire and win a fucking lottery. It's like, meanwhile, it pisses me off. I'm sorry to rant. But uh, meanwhile, it pisses me off because I'm walking around in these impoverished neighborhoods, which I don't even think they're impoverished, but people's attitudes are and the way they look at life is, and there's money on the ground. That makes me the most broken-hearted person. I'm like, the one thing you're complaining about, you're walking over it. I don't care if it's just a penny. Dude, look throughout the day. Go anywhere. Look, I have always find money. And I'm like, this is the thing we kill people over. This is what we send people off to fight for. This is like, and we don't even value it. To me, that's like, breaks my heart, you know? Like, it's yeah. the poverty of mind in that is, uh, uh yeah. <laughs> People's attitudes. And it's yeah. not everybody. It's not everyone. But like, for sure, a lot of us and a lot of people can could do a lot better, you know, including myself, and I, I, when I want to be a pro in something, I want to be the pro in the sense that I'm doing good for that thing and those people, like, whoever loves that thing, like, I want to be professional for them, you know, I don't want to be, I don't care if every pro's in a magazine, or every pro's Nija, or every pro's whatever, I don't care, my version of a pro is someone that gives a shit, applies effort, and helps contribute, and does that for a long period of time, and they become a professional, no matter what it is, a job, skateboarding, fucking my girl pole dances, whatever it is you want to be a professional in, you know, and and I have kids hit me up today that just asked me to get sponsored, and they're just getting into skating and can do like three tricks, and I'm like, dude, it's so sick, you're psyched on skating, and it's cool to be sponsored, but like, you're already asking about it, and it's like, you haven't even done the work, so how do you tell these 12-year-old kids, like, it takes a long time. They don't want to hear that. They want to get on a scooter, or they want to, or they just get mad and think you're you're uh, offending them, and like you're telling them they won't do it. So like to me, a lot of this is what a pro does. Because to me, I've always tried to find the words to explain whether I have to type it out for 20 minutes and go look. This is how this works. Like it takes a long time. Like you skateboarding. We need communities, we need skate shops, we need brands, we need people that love skating that are willing to work and still invest in it. 
You know, like everyone wants to start a brand or start something and just enjoy the fruits of the labor right away. It's like, yeah, but you have no foundation. You haven't built anything. Like, you, your popularity alone isn't going to do it. Why are people going to buy anything from you? Why? Like, you have to give them value. Like, that's the real thing. Is like, but everybody just thinks they're going to trick someone into giving them value or something. And it's a lottery mentality. And it, it's like, no, you're not. Especially not nowadays. People can tell... And there's more transparency than ever with the internet. It's all mirrors. The internet's a big mirror. We can see our ugliness. I was super surprised when everyone just found out about racism. It's like, I've known racism for so long. Whenever you grow up around poor people, it's like, even just, uh, not just black, but any color. Like, there's there's people that, they have, they're at a disadvantage, you know? And some of it's their fault, and some of it's not. They've been sold a fucking shitty thing, or they're, they've been put in compromised situations where they had to, like take the lesser of two evils always, you know, and it's like, there's ugly things, you know, like, <clears throat> but, you know, that's the whole thing, is tell those people to work, and they're broken, my mom was broken, if I told my mom to go get a job, she didn't, she shouldn't have got a job, she needed counseling, she needed real health care, but we didn't have anything, they don't have anything like that, they send you to counselors and stuff, but it's part-time, and like, it falls apart, like, she needed 24-7, you know? I think I think we're like raising more awareness on mental health and stuff, but I still think it ne it's not like where it needs to be. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a real thing, and I feel like I still know people who just they're not that aware of it, or they they don't think it's as real as it is. Like how people can be affected by you know depression, anxiety, uh, and then other serious disorders. Like you know, I mean. Yeah. I think a lot of people that have problems or might be, like, homeless or something, you know, people want to say that that person is that way because of drug addiction or something, but they not, might not be looking for, like, the reason, uh, the, the reason behind that addiction or whatever. Why did they, why did they do that in the first place, you know? Like, it could be because maybe they were abused psychologically or physically or maybe they have undiagnosed illness you know yeah dude if someone looked at how i used to skateboard it was abusive i would skateboard till it, like too much i skated too much till it became hurt it started to hurt me because i was always injured and i was always stressed out and i was always like i was always it became a prison you know i was like fuck i like because of fear because you like if issues and things and trauma and like my approach of looking at things like I developed in a crazy circumstance, and a lot of people do. Like, I know my story seems extreme, because I, it is, maybe it is to a certain thing, but I know a lot of people with this story, and not all of them has, have done what I've done as far as, like, developing into a, a healthy human. And I've been unhealthy, you know, and it's like, some of it was my fault, and some was thrusted on me. And there's a lot of individuals, and they're lying between homelessness and, like, in this country, though, that's what breaks me heart. Breaks my heart because there's opportunity. I know there is. I'll go out tomorrow. I'll see a bunch of help wanted signs, and it's like, but how do you convince people that it's even worth working for? Because a lot of them are broken. A lot of them are misled too, and a lot of them there's like, you know what I mean? There's enough holes out here. There's enough people making money shitty ways to trap people and all these schemes and make them unhealthy and fat and lethargic and complacent and sheep like and promise them this and life's scary and hard so people will go for that you know what i mean and america had no rules on or regulation on capitalism it it was like the american dream you know like if you think about it it wasn't really about humans and well-being and developing it was more scams and hustles and bullshit and like they believed it you know so like we have to have a transition to like 
we have to focus on individuals and help them develop and make sure there's ways to do that, you know? It's so hard, though. It's so hard. Because yeah. how... I don't know. That's my little part with all I need is, like, I hope people look at the brand and go, all I need. If it, Like, as an individual, if we all find our own needs and we learn to work, we can build past those. And if we if we all have the, like, say, if everyone around me skates and can hold down a job and we can keep having this contest every year and we can keep growing skateboarding and we could all do skateboard lessons and turn other kids on to skating so there's, like, generations deep and we share and allow them to have their ride and experience and we build up these platforms and we all do it together. And not because we can got a sponsor and it, they gave it to us, but because we just fucking figured it out and worked for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... We could all do that. Skateboarders are amazing. I love skateboarders. They're meant for this time and age right now because to skateboard, you're problem solving and you're taking on a challenge. And you guys are great. Whether we can see that or not, who knows? Or if people want to rise up and be that. You know, like, I feel like America forgot what it's like to be great. Like, I, I you know, we're not, the problem is that life is long and you have to keep your word and you have to, you have to put your shoe in your mouth a bunch and then redefine yourself and keep going and, and be an example, you know, to each other. It's like, so that's hard, you know, and people get lost on that path and, and it's like that, but so we need reminders and that's like my, all I need is like, to me, it's like, if I just focus on skateboarding because it literally has been the salvation and it's changed a lot of people's lives and people clearly love it because people are 80 years old and still skating and it's sunk into culture completely. There's something in it that is just beneficial for us and especially myself. So to me, it's like, fuck getting sponsored. Let's do good for skateboarding first. Let's just, let's just make sure we build up skateboarding without any outside influence and money and make sure we can do it on our own. And then the sponsors will come, you know, like it's just kids like they want the glitter and gold. And I'm like, you're going to get it, but they'll take it away. And I can say that because I went through the recession and I was pro and I had 25 pro boards out and I had, uh, I had a low top and a mid top and three different colors each and I was in magazines and uh, I had all the things I could possibly want and then they just took it away my paycheck as well and then I was like okay back to work back to work so I just went back to work and I took my savings and put it into my needs all I need which is skateboarding family and friends so I just took that money started the skateboard brand and I said I don't care if it makes me money and, and it not, that wasn't my focus. My focus was, let's just grow this thing. Let's start at the bottom and see if we can grow this thing together and and have fun while we're doing it. And that's what we've been doing. And it's been amazing, you know. And there's been hurdles and ups and downs. And I've been on the edge of the seat with this brand, you know. And uh, But to me, it's worth investing in. Like, it's just a statement. Like, let's just invest in ourselves. Like, believe in yourself. Work fucking hard. Find a way to get past your issues. And, like, don't make up excuses don't define yourself without redefining yourself. Like, let's let's be the example that we talk about or we envision. Like, it's it has to be the American experience, you know? Like, I don't want to sell a bunch of kids a dream and be like, oh, I'm pro and do 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 and you can be pro. I want them to know the real deal so we could all earn that someday, you know? Like, and, and, and the truth is people change. So, like, so, some people say they want something and they get into it and the amount of work makes them change their heart. And yeah, that's, that's, they find out they don't want to work up hard for it or whatever yeah and that, yeah it changes their approach and that's fine like that's fine some people want different things in life and i'm fine with that so like the, to me it's like trying to, I, as a pro i just feel like i gotta put out the i gotta show the behind the curtain 
I feel like that's the best way to do it, you know? Because, like, too many people just relied on selling gimmicks and shit to make their career, and then the, all things fall apart, you know? And it's like, now you, every, you've been robbed of everything, and you are just a caricature of who you are. And it's like, who are you? That was like the podcast. I'm like, I want these motherfuckers to show who they are so we can all do this together so it can be real, because you guys are my fucking idols. Like, every skateboard out there, I was like a little kid, like... Whoever I found out, I was like, they skate? I gotta know everything about them. Like, I love I love stories, narratives, personalities, like, all that makes skating way cool, you know? So, yeah. Dude, I say it real quick. Um, like, as far as your podcast and everything, I am hyped to have you on real quick just because, uh, dude, you're pretty much the reason I got into, like, wanting to create a podcast. I listened to a few other ones, but um, I found out about yours, and then I was like, this sounds amazing, like, not only do you have all these other guests and interesting skateboarders, but uh, you also get to share some of your own story and own experiences, and it's just like a platform for that. And like, I try to use that to like in my own community because I realize there's so many good skateboarders and interesting people around me, and just like different personalities that people normally wouldn't understand or wouldn't take the time to understand. And like, so that's pretty much what I'm trying to do, and just keep it growing, like. Yeah, that's, f first, that's a fucking amazing, and that's a real good way to use a podcast, I love it, and, uh, consistency, just keep doing it, that's it, yeah. that's it, and it's like, always think, think of different ways to grow it, like, and I really like the idea that you're starting organic with the people around you, because we all need to express ourselves, and we all need to, like, talk and communicate, and if someone's willing to build that platform, so we can, like, listen to each other, because a lot of growing and learning is listening, you know? And when you're young, we don't listen enough, and I am definitely guilty of not li listening enough. You're in your head too much. You have an ego, and you're just stuck in there, like, talking to yourself and trying to figure things out, and stuck in your emotions. You're more, like, you're not, you don't have the scaffolding to have clear thought. So, like, the way you get clear thought is to listen to other people communicate and then try it yourself, you know? And we all need that. That's a huge necessity right now. And if you start on with your own people around you, like your friends and family, you guys can talk and you can have great conversations and people can listen and then you can start to realize that everyone's doing cool shit and that you guys can work together and this person's got... It's funny as hell and that person has perseverance and that person is very caring and da 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 And then, you know, it, but the thing is people get into it and they're like looking at it as profit-driven. Everything's got to make a profit. Everything's... That's what it all is. And it's like, yeah, we have to make a living. We have to cover our needs. That's what works from. That's what works for yeah. Like, go get a job and fucking cover your need, and then, and then once that's done, you know, you can work, like, you want to do. Yeah, and like, a lot of my hustle is, like, I keep, I have so many jobs right now, Riley, like, I, I work in a warehouse, Monday, okay. Monday through Friday, but I take Wednesdays off, uh, I take Thursdays off, and I might take another day off, but I just started doing embroidery, like, they were teaching me some embroidery stuff, and I was like, I'll come in for that, you know, like, cause there's seasons at my job, and like, in the winter, I basically can just not come in because there's no work and I have like you know I have other jobs to work on like I have like three jobs I work at the skate park I'm brand manager for world industries I have my own skate brand so like I have, I have so much work around me and I still have that nine to five job too because I just love that place I've like those people are awesome and and I have an obsession with clothes and apparel and fashion and all that stuff so like I don't want to do that work all the time, you know? Like, it's a 9 to 5, and it's, like, a lot of it's pretty simple because it's repetitive, and you do it all the time. But, like, I enjoy it still, you know? So, um, but, yeah, like, just 
that's what I'm saying. I just want dudes, like, if people really want to have a brand or have the skate community, like, the skaters got to take on the responsibility and do it right. Because if you don't, then you can't complain about the state of skateboarding because you're not contributing. You're just complaining, you know? And I, I've, I've dealt with that a lot. A lot of people got opinions. Skateboarders are really fucking opinionated, and I get that. I'm opinionated, and I have a sense of humor, and I can be mean too or whatever. But it's like, I love people that care and try. And those people that continue to do that, they usually are successful. Hell yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you uh, real quick, as far as like, I know you've ridden for bigger brands, you've ridden for Zoo York, uh, oh, yeah. Birdhouse. Um, as far as like, what's the difference now in r between like riding for those brands and then just uh, having your own brand and kind of having more control about like, I guess maybe just bringing it back to the roots and everything. Like, yeah. So, perfect question, and thank you for that. Um, here's the perfect um, comparison. Right now, I am brand manager for World Industries. Like, World in World Industries is a one of a kind brand. Like, more than any brand out there, even Nike. Like, think about World Industries, and like, if you actually know the history of the brand, it's the most unique brand that. It's insane. They have the three characters. You can tell any story. It's built off of artists and skateboarders' hard work, and they they're they're a one of a kind brand. Like, so I work for them, and they're owned by people that necessarily they don't necessarily skate. You know, they have people that work in an office and people that don't skate. You know, but they hired me because they needed someone who understood the roots of the brand, and of course I do because I love skateboarding and art. Those are hand in hand. Elwood's being such a dick right now. One one second, Riley. Okay, you're good. Tara, my lady's got people coming in. Uh, just juggle for a second. <laughs> good. Okay, we're good. Yeah. All right, we're good. Sorry. You're good. So so like, to me, they hired me, and they're trying to start small, which is awesome because that's how I work, you know. And when I wrote for Zoo York. I saw, like, the corporate side. New York was owned by, I believe it was Iconics at that time, and G-Unit G was in the same building. It's in Manhattan, and it's like a skyscraper in Manhattan, you know? Yeah. So, like, I'm going into these offices and shit. I actually saw 50 Cent, like, <clears throat> excuse me. I saw, like, him come out of the building, and it's, like, bulletproof shit, and, like, it's in the middle of New York, which is, like, the capital of the world and all that shit. I'm going in there, and it's, like, it was cool, but, you know, and, and they paid for everything, and we went on tons of trips with New York. It was amazing. It was, like, full, like, full ride. You know what I mean? Shoes, clothes, because I was riding for New York footwear and the apparel, and people then kind of made fun of my, that I rode for the shoe company, because it wasn't, like, I, they were always... People were always kind of coming at me because I rode for, like, a non-core skate brand, you know? Like, I ended up riding for Zoo York, which is not... It didn't even have anything to do with skateboarding, really, except for the fact that they employed a lot of sick skateboarders. Um, yeah, a lot of sick riders. <laughs> yeah, we had a sick team because they employed the right person that, that got the right pieces. Because to me, I'm not... I'm fine with, like, outside skateboarders wanting to invest in skateboarding. They just need to get skateboarders to do it. Because don't try to fake it. Like, it's too transparent. Like, you got to get the people... Like, if you want... So, the thing about brands is if you get disconnected from your roots, you're lost. Because that's what builds your brand up. It's like... That's why I told the guys at World Industries. I'm like, well, artists and skateboarders built your brand up. That's literally what the years of effort 
accumulated and why world became what it was because of that. So, like, we have to invest in that, you know, like, and they, you know, for them, they're a business and they're like, yeah, but like, they want to sell stuff. That's what businesses do. And I get that, you know, because I don't always want to sell shit. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, that, that's something that's a part of business that's not the fun side, you know, like, selling it and mark trying to like it's not it's not the funnest thing you know what i mean like so that hence the reason i started the podcast was like i don't really want to have to sell you anything i just want to talk about everything we're doing so you can hear and if you like it please invest in it you know like and and help and that's it you know like i'd rather give people the whole scoop and show them through video and audio like what we're doing and where we're putting our money and like how we're like we put out welcome to the team videos we do trips and like the artwork you get to meet peter you know, have him on the podcast and see it like where all the pennies go to you know and if you like it then you can choose to invest in it and that, that seems like a more honest way instead of having to like scam or come up with a gimmick or whatever just just go for it you know so like to me with like uh i see all sides of it but i like i just love all that need because it's simple we just invest. We just invest in our needs, and we hope they grow. You know, and we have work regardless. You know, and so it continues to grow, which is amazing. And maybe one day I'll have three days a week to just work on strictly all I need stuff, nine to five. You know, like that could be amazing. You know, but but like so, that's the difference. You know, like with World, it's awesome. I love World. I, that brand is amazing, and they they told me I could pick my title, and I picked picked brand manager because my buddy that was doing it before me that was his title. So I was like. I guess I'm the new brand manager, you know, and uh, it's sick though, because now I'm trying to get them to invest in the team and into the art, like pay another artist to make some sick graphics and try to touch on like what made World so sick. So, but it's like I have to work with accountants, but with all I need, I don't have to, you know, like I do it all myself from here. Well, I don't do it all myself. I have a lot of help, like the team and uh, and the artists and my sales rep and like. Conrad kills it, and so, like, there's a lot in all the shops out there that support it, and the distribution, Eastern, and Ocean F, and Ev, and you guys, and Chapman, that makes the boards, like, we're a team, we're making money together, and we're growing skateboarding, and we're trying to do it the right way, you know, but, like, I don't have anybody telling me what I can and can't do, you know what I mean, <laughs> literally, like, for the graphics, we just get high and drunk in, in Conrad's <laughs> barn, me, Peter, and Conrad, and we just start brainstorming for sick ideas that we want to do, like, no one's coming in telling us anything, even with World, because with World, it's such a unique brand, you can almost get away with anything, like, if you go and look at the brand, there's not a boundary they haven't crossed, they're a one-of-kind brand, like, that's why I tell these guys, I'm like, you, you don't understand what you have, like, this is pretty sick and they have the ability to sell shoes clothing and decks you know and it's like as a skateboarder you should want that brand to win because it's got to employ more skateboarders if it's successful to be successful it's actually the roots you know so it's like and and then same with all i need it's just like we all understand that what we're growing together you know like next month we're going to surf expo we, we like you know, everything we make goes right back into trying to do something to further it for skateboarding's sake, you know? Like, we got this event going down in Surf Expo, and now we're trying to pull everyone from the shops down there in to come make this, like, a cool event where everyone comes shred, and, like, we have a mini ramp. We did it last year. It was sick. We gave out some cash. We're going to do the same thing this year and just, like, have a thriving skate community of people doing cool shit, you know? So... That's, like, what we do. We just invest back into the community of it, the people of it, the things that make skateboarding awesome, travel and art. Like, it's so such an easy thing to, like, invest in and stay focused on. Like, so, uh, but, yeah, that's the difference, you know? Like, 
One's a, like one I have to deal with accountants, and the other one I don't. <laughs> um. So I want to ask you too. In your sorry, this is kind of backtracking, but New York state of mind. I have to ask you this. My homie was asking about it. The kickflip into the red bank. Oh shit! <laughs> How was that, dude? That was a battle. That was a fucking battle. Really? That one's gnarly. Like. I watched the part today, and a lot of tricks stand out out of that, but that one especially, just because, I mean, it's a pretty big gap, and it's it's like bricks, isn't it? Dude, it's so sketchy. Alright, so I'll give you the rundown. Okay. It's in Roxbury, Mass, and I haven't been there in Roxbury in a little while, but Roxbury is kind of known for being a little hood, you know? So it's a little sketchy yeah. back there, or whatever, and, uh, and then I'm trying to kick foot... I couldn't believe I ollied into it, because it's literally cracks running up to the whole thing, and what it is, is it goes straight, and then it's one bank, flat, and then a second bank, and so you can warm up by ollieing into the top bank, riding the flat, going down, but even just riding down that thing like that is so sketchy, and the ground's like cheese grater at the bottom, so you're going to get torn up. It's fucking sketchy, for sure. And people have done some fucked up things there. Like, Dave Pachinski did some manual stuff there that's like, I'm like, how did he do this? Um... But yeah, I'm just trying it. I got the ollie, like, fairly quickly. I knew, like, security might come, so I was trying to work fast. And just hauling into it felt amazing. And then I was like, I got a pretty good kickflip. Like, not too bad. Like, if, I have a, if I'm having a... Depends on the day, but if I'm having a good day, that thing's staying under me. So I was just flicking them, flicking them, flicking them. And I battled it for, like... I was coming so close. It might have been 20, 30 minutes or something. And then... Like, uh, like this happens sometimes. My friend's like, yo, security, and it's this dude, he's like almost 300 pounds, and he's like lumbering towards me, and I'm like, fuck. And, and the thing about this session, too, is like, here's another good thing to talk about corporate structures and people that don't skate. So when I rode for Z York, the pressure, the pressure that I had to like keep my job, you know? Cause they want the best. Like, why the fuck are they paying you? Because they're not, they're like, they don't care if you get hurt. Like, they care so much, but there's a clause six months in. If you still can't skate, like, fuck your dreams, bro. Beat it, yeah. you know? Uh, so yeah. it's like, you have to kill it. And there's other dudes on the team that had to kill it. It was like almost like you were forced to compete. That was the thing about New York that was weird. Like, I felt like people were competing, and they're my friends. And I'm like, this is, like, weird, because this is, like, I'm not good at this game, because I just do me. Like, I'm, like, the awkward dude. Like, I'll just go off and... I just can't compete with people. It's hard for me to compete with people. I don't want to compete. I want to do me. And a lot of so, yeah, improve exactly. And but when it comes money and like there was like you got like some fame and stuff. Like I've never dealt good with. Like I don't really care about fame either. That's another one. That's like it's cool to get noticed and have. Rec I'd rather have people understand me and and we could have real conversations and people like I don't know I don't care about like fleeting fame and how many people know me and some people care about that shit so like and on trips there's like egos we had like Chaz Ortiz he's a young kid they're making like a lot of money too like I, I don't know like it was a ridiculous amount of money you know so like I don't know to me I just like couldn't play any of these games <laughs> but it was sick but like it forced me to skate really gnarly like I was like dude I want to be like like, they made me feel like I was the best, you know? I mean, all these... They made out, like... They made, like, cutouts of me and put them in stores, you know what I mean? And, like, trying to sell their stuff. And I'm like, I gotta be the best I can be. This is insane. Like, this opportunity is crazy. Same with World Industries. When, 
you know, we were selling shoes across the Midwest, and people were loving it. We had a sick team, and it was so cool. And they were making cutouts of me for my pro models and putting them in, like, these family footwear stores that were selling my shoe. And I know that sounds weird to say because it's, like, support skate shops, and I'm always like that, you know? Like, uh, yeah. skate, skate shop saved my life. But to be on that level and to have that opportunity as a young kid, it wasn't like I understood any of it, you know? It was more like these dudes are selling my shoes and they're putting cutouts of me, and I'm getting these checks, and getting to travel, and I'm like, this is fucking insane, and I'm so gra so grateful for it, like, I'm like, this is literally how I'm living, you know, like, I'm not working, I don't know what's back home, every time, the thing about traveling is, like, and being away from your home, because I had to get away, because, like, everyone was not doing good, and they were pull crabs in the barrel type situation, where it's like, someone's got to get out, just to, like, see what it's like, and then maybe come back and throw a rope down, you know, like, that yeah. that type of situation where it's like, I gotta get away from this, because this is insane, and they, these people aren't getting better, and they're just hurting me now. Like, I was that was a choice. Like, when I hit 18, I had to, like, kind of write my family off and be like, dude, if I stay here, I'm never gonna, like, I'm not gonna get healthy. <laughs> like, I'm not. Because I'd be on trips, even, even once I got away, I'd be on trips, and I'd call home, and there'd be, like, crying, and fights, and cops, and violence, and drug abuse, and, like, mom's lost, and da-da-da, and I'm like... This is the same thing. Like I'm, I don't. Same shit and the same situation you left from. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to help you. Like we all have, like, because my family, we never had like, we loved each other, and I have great siblings and like my mom, but like it was always like, yo, we gotta survive, like for real, like shit's gonna fall apart, and we gotta figure it out. It's all man for themselves. We're all kids. Like none of us were like adults. We were just thrust into being adults. You know, like. Yeah. So it's just like, my siblings and I are weathered tough. I love my sisters and my brother. Like, they're survivors in every sense of the word, you know? And, uh, but that's, like, weird. Like, I, don't, I suck with traditions. Like, I don't know how to buy gifts. Like, I've gotten better. I'm getting better. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. Me and my lady have two dogs. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so fucking that, that, is, that was like, I'm on trips and I'm trying to keep my head together. And dealing with, like, crazy shit and money and opportunities and assholes. And uh, I just feel a lot and I'm aware of a lot of shit. Even a, I'm always aware of people around me because I'm used to having sketchy people around me. So, like, I gotta watch them, you know? And, like, it just caused me to, like, kind of watch people a lot. And not, like, a judging way, but just, like, in a... I want to make sure everything's, like, safe. I want to look people in the eyes and know that they're stable and I'm stable and high, you know? Like... So, I'm just aware, you know, I want to be aware in case something bad happens and I can get myself out of harm's way or I can help people, you know, like, whatever the situation calls for. So, like, if we're all doing that's a good thing, you know, because there's shit, crazy shit out there and crazy people out there and I know how it feels to be lost and feel crazy and do, you know, like, you can do fucked up things. People can do fucked up things, you know, like, I've never done anything too bad, but, like, you know, I've imagined it, you know, like. So it's gnarly, and I've seen it, you know, I've seen people do fucked up things, and compromise, and it's always subtle, too, it doesn't seem that fucked up, and then you're like, that's fucked up, it's always a compromise, but, uh, yeah, so I'd be on trips, and I'm just trying to keep my shit together, and I can't, I couldn't even call home, because I'm like, there's gonna be, the bottom's always falling out, and half of it's their own fault, you know, I'm like, you just aren't doing what you need to do, like, this is what happens in life when you don't listen to the signs and you think you got it all figured out or you're too scared to face it and, like, I have to talk to the adults like this, you know what I mean? And I'm a kid and I'm like, this is, a, this is an ass backwards, it's a role reversal type situation where I, ha I had to be an adult at a young age and, like, you know, so that type of thing and I'm like, can't even really call home after a while, you know? Yeah. And that sucks because you get disconnected, you know? But, like, I love being home now. 
I knew I'd be back. Like, when I got a chance, the second I got a chance to move back from California, I was living out there with Birdhouse, and then when I wrote for New York, I moved back. Because I was like, I just, these people are assholes, but, like, it's a particular type of asshole. <laughs> assholes are everywhere, you know? But, like, I just, something about this area, I was like, I like this. Like, these people are great, you know? Like, we just gotta figure out our shit, basically. And I'm trying to figure it out, too, you know? Yeah. And it, But, yeah, so, I don't know. And that's the thing about all I need is, like, to me, it'll go on for as long as we want to do it. I don't care. Like, it's like, to me, I just, I love doing this skateboarding stuff, and I don't really care about any other bullshit. Like, if it's not fun, we're not going to do it, you know? Like, to me, all I need is just, like, let's do this because we all love this, and we want to do this, and let's take it as far as we can, and it'll be so fun, you know? Cool shit will happen. And, uh, yeah, so that's the difference. Like, I don't know. For New York, it was amazing, but it was uh, it was way intense and way crazy, and with all I need, it's like I can. I have team riders and people that work with me now, and I can try to make the ride smoother for them, so they can have a health and happy environment to create and do cool stuff and tr trips and like just. And then we do the event with the New England Am and the podcast and just like trying to connect everything and reach out to people and like I just want to build a six skate world. You know what I mean? Like just so like if kids get into it, it's like whoa, look at all this cool shit that they have. We have the New England Am. We've done it four years. We got the podcast where, you know, you can hear all the stories and stuff. We got two brands, you know, like, to me, it's like, it's like, that's fun. That's sick. That's awesome. And, and like, people, it's cool to do that, especially on the East Coast, you know, like, where, there's not that many brands here, you know? Nah. I'm proud. I'm proud that we're doing it, though. It's amazing. Our skate scene is so thriving right now. It's insane. Like, and people are getting along, and there's so many different personalities and crazy people and, and crazy good, too, you know? It's, like, fucking insane right now. That's awesome, though. That's good. Yeah. We have a... I live near a 30,000-square-foot indoor skate park called the Edge Indoor Skate Park, and, like, it's, like, where me, Westgate, Dom Pierre, Barley, um, all these dudes, we just skate here in the winter. So it's, like, we actually can see our skate community because of this indoor park. And okay. then we started that event, and it's been four years, and we had, like, 14 and under, 15 and over divisions. We had a ladies' jam this year, and we also have, we had a skate shop division where we had, like, 20 skate shops come, and they brought three riders each, and they, like, jammed it out, and, like, they had the course for, like, a, a minute or two, and each three dudes on the team just basically get to destroy the course together. And then, you know, the next team comes out, and the next team comes out, and then we have, like, Barley, Donnie Barley was a judge, Brandon Westgate, I judged a little bit, um, we had Pachinski there, um, Zared came before, yeah, it was sick, it was like East Coast homegrown dudes, which is like kind of cool to have that for skateboarding, I'm always like, it's sick that we just do this contest, like, just to do it, you know what I mean, like, fuck it, and everyone's part of it, and it's like, if you build it, they'll come. People have just shown up, and it's only gotten more fun and more exciting, and we've gotten better at it, you know? And I've met awesome people. The sickest part about doing the New England Am is that people come from all over, like California, Baltimore, Philly, Florida, uh, Virginia, like, you name it. Like, Maine, Connecticut, New Hampshire, they all come to the park, and it's insane. It's a two-day event, too. And it's like, we just keep doing it. And it's like trying to get better at it every year, and it's just sick. It's... Like, so shit like that, it's like, how could you not do that? <laughs> that's what I, that's what I dreamt of doing when I was a little kid and thinking about being pro, is like, how do we keep this going? Like, this is so sick, you know? Like, these moments are awesome. And now you're giving other kids the chance to be inspired, or it goes full circle, I guess. Like, 
Yeah, absolutely. Dude, I've been, you know what's, you know what's crucial to me is skateboard lessons. Like, if you want to be a pro skateboarder and you don't do skateboard lessons, it confuses me, because I'm like, for, especially if you're older, like, I'm 35, like, I don't, that's not, I feel young, but like, in skateboarding, that's older, you know what I mean? Kids are skating so young, but at 35, like, if I want to be a pro, like, I feel like I gotta do skateboard lessons, because there's a lot of people that get into skateboarding, and like, or they'll try it and they get hurt because it's hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they get on the board and they get confident and they get going and then they fucking fall and bust their ass and then they don't touch the skateboard again. Or there's, like, parents that are like, I want my kid to skate, but, like, I want them to have a good introduction to it and, like, know how to... Like, so to my job is, like, how do I introduce this person to skateboarding on the most fundamental basic level. So we just start on flat ground, finding our balance, you know, and like, I see how they can roll, and then it ends up, like, my skateboard lessons usually end after a while. We do like four or five, and then it's like, by that time I have a skate buddy, you know, like, just show up at the park and we'll skate when you're there. Because I try to introduce each other to all the other little dudes and everyone. I try to connect it all, because like, I've been doing lessons for so long, dudes that I do lessons are like, adults now, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's like crazy, and it's like, my skateboard lesson is more for me, too, because I fucking do them on the weekends, and it, every time I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, I could just sleep in. I'm so tired. And then I go do it. I go do it, and it's like, reminds me why I skateboard, because I just start at the beginning, and I get in a ro- ro- roll around the park, and it's usually a young kid now, and we, it's an hour long, and I get to show them cool shit, or I just get to hang out and watch them do cool stuff and encourage them, and like... It just like after that, I'm like I go home and I'm like my day can't be bad after this, you know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, and it's like if you really care about skateboarding, like there's so many little dudes out there that might just want to like you could help influence them and help them learn how to balance and how you know make their ride easier for them, you know, so they don't go through the same pitfalls. Like I went through a lot of pitfalls as a young kid. Like I. You you, you want to get sponsored, and you stare count, and there's, like, all this weird shit, and jocking stuff, and egos, and, like, competition, and, like, it all exists, I've experienced it, you know, like, but to me, it's like, if my idols were always the older dudes that fucking killed it, and kind of shared, to, shared, shared their, like, fire with me, their, their spark, they, like, shared it with me, they're, like, they didn't try to, like, jock me out, they didn't try to, like, do any, they weren't playing games, they were real people that were like, look, this is the spark, this is why I love skateboarding, and that always hit me, like, damn, this person is, like, and then watching them get older, as I'm younger, I'm like, this person, like, really gives a fuck about skateboarding, and then I'm just thinking about what skateboarding has given to me, you know, and, like, I've needed help, I needed someone to be like, look, dude, you're having a bad day because you're being a bit of an asshole and too hard on yourself, and you're like, oh, you're right, it's like, skateboarding should be fun. It's like, we all need friends, basically, you know? And, like, as a pro, you should do some skateboard lessons. It'll probably fucking help you be more pro-like. Because, like, yeah. what are you going to be, a fucking wasteoid? Like, people, like, you should be a positive influence. Like, when I was 25, I drank a lot. Like, I, fuck around, I fucked around. I smoke a lot of weed right now. But I don't ever use that shit as an excuse. I, like, I'm, if I'm using it as an excuse, now there's a problem, you know? Like... Because I'm making up excuses, you know? Like, I carry my weight, as we all should. Manage your fucking drugs, you know? But still be a fucking role model. Like, we gotta grow old and be... We need examples. We all do. Teach the youth. Yeah, I need it as much as I'm preaching it, you know? Like, I need people to do this as much as I need to do it. Because I need to be inspired and... And it's day-to-day, man. Life can be hard, you know? Like... For sure. It's just like, we're trying to figure it out. No one has a real fucking roadmap. Like, think about our politics and think about everything. Like, 
think about how fucked it has been or how out of how crazy it's gotten you know like the morality even just the morality in this country has gotten so crazy that it's like uh we need like moral compasses and we each have to be those we have to be those examples of like hey this is what i believe in this is what i invest in like and hopefully they're healthy and happy and productive for everybody not destructive you know yeah. And that's how we should grow old gracefully, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, real quick, on, to touch on the skate lessons, I got the opportunity uh, this past summer. Nice. So I worked at a, a shop. They moved to where they're online now. They're not, like, in the local community anymore. Which but, shop? Uh, Which shop? It's uh, Ambush Board Co. Yes, Stormy. Yeah. Do you know Stormy? Yes, dude, Stormy's the best. Dude, like, he's a legend, and I've always looked up to him. Uh, my buddy Craig Piva used to ride for Torque with him. Uh, okay. Dude, Stormy's a fucking OG. Yeah, I'm trying to get him on the podcast. He uh, he's helped me out with uh, with a lot over over the past year and everything. But that's awesome, dude. That's so sick. Of course, you know Stormy. Yeah. <laughs> so we uh, yeah, we we did uh, like a camp for two different weeks in the summer and just uh taught skate lessons me and these two other kids that worked at the shop so we did like a week-long camp like nine to twelve in the morning yeah and that's sick it's cool you just see the kids progress like some some of the kids you know it's hard to deal with because they might just be like spazzing out and not wanting to skate or whatever but then by the end those same kids might be the one that are learning how to drop in or whatever and are just like yo riley like across the park like watch this and then <laughs> they walk them back to the park it's like that was that was a different feeling I got from skating. Hadn't got that before, but yeah, that's way sick. It's hard when you have a lot of kids, though. My lessons are one on one because yeah. I skateboarding's hard to learn. Like you got to really take your time and patience, and like it, it, you got to watch. You know, you can't take it for granted because you got to learn to balance. You fall off and fucking break your arm. So like, but with a lot of little kids, it's like almost it's like they're all over the place. I don't, and you can't do a good job with all of them, but you can just manage the the flow of the lesson kind of you know and take moments out here and there yeah that's sick that's good skills to have dude <laughs> how many kids yeah. do you have how many in the camp dude we had a lot it was so i didn't do it last year they did it last year but uh this i think it was like 25 28 split between three counselors so like we would take different groups and kind of just like manage them so like we have this park uh swift cantrell it's like a street league type plaza, so there's like the bowl and like uh, different quarter pipes and banks and stuff. So one would, one of us would like go with the group to the bowl and like show them how to carve and like ride, and then one of us would be like showing people how to drop in and kind of like guiding them dropping in, and then like get them to do it on their own and stuff, and we just switch off or whatever. Yeah, that's sick. Dropping in is such a rad thing when you drop in. It, For sure. Yeah, I have a whole system where it's like. You hold their hand just because I'm always like, look, we got to be safe on the first one. Like, why not just be safe and then try being risky after, you know? Yeah. Just to get the feel, you know, so you have a little experience. And then usually I drop in holding their hands. I, ho I get them to drop in. We usually start on just a bank first, like a pyramid, you know? Like, yeah. start there and then work our way to the quarter pipe. Yeah, that's sick, man. Yeah, it's good. Do you, After those lessons, do you feel good? Yeah, for sure. Like... I don't know, it was just something different that I hadn't experienced before, like, and I got stoked too, like, I gave a, I gave one kid, like, an, a used board or whatever, and, like, some used trucks, because I was just, like, he was sparked, and his board was, like, terrible, so I was just, like, you know, 
I'm not going to use this stuff. Like, why not help him out and hopefully he sticks with it and, you know, yeah. becomes good and a local. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool, man. It's cool to have some influence. It's like, we owe that to skateboarding, you know, because we've enjoyed it. So why not help other people enjoy it, you know? Yeah. But lessons, lessons are good, man. That's like, every pro should do that, I feel. I mean, I don't, like, if you don't want it, you don't have to, but I don't know. If you really want to help skateboarding, dude, if we have a healthy, happy population of people that skateboard, they're going to grow old and have kids that skateboard and pass on skateboarding, and I don't know. To me, it's, like, the most important thing, you know? For sure. <laughs> um, so, before I wrap this, or before we wrap it up and everything, um... I want to ask if you have any, like, experience with, uh, skate. I know you have experience skating with, in Atlanta and everything, but, like, uh, what's, what's your overall take on, like, skating in Atlanta, or just, like, memories coming through here? Oh, sick, alright. Oh, before we go, before we go forward with that, uh, I, I wanted to tell you about one of my, uh, situations. I just did a, I've been doing these lock-ins at the skate park here. Okay. And, uh, the second one I did, it was a hundred kids and just me. <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't just skateboarding. It was skateboarding, bikes, and scooters. So I was like locked in the skate park. The other dudes were working. Like we had people working the counters and stuff. But it was just me kind of keeping the flow of this thing moving. That's insane. It was sick because like kids just surprise you. They're like so autonomous now. They're on their phones. They set up sleeping bags everywhere. Like I set up a projector so they would like if people wanted to lounge and like were tired, they could just watch fucking put on SpongeBob, put on like some skate videos, bike videos, whatever. And then uh, the place is massive, so I would just like skate around. And I the way I did it was I was like I'm gonna film. I'm gonna film like an edit. So then. I, just, okay. I would just pop out and people would be sessioning somewhere and I would just capture some clips and then move through the skate park, you know? It was different, crazy. Different areas and everything. Yeah, and everyone knew. It was like, oh, Sheller's coming through. He's going to, like, make an edit and film some clips. So, like, when I show up, they just start shredding, you know? Like, whatever they're doing. And, uh... Yeah, got, up, I'm sure. Yeah, and then we got the foam pit. It was pretty wild, so people were getting crazy on the foam pit. And then, um... We did dodgeball as well. <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> Played like 10 games of dodgeballs. Kid, kids just getting reckless with dodgeballs. <laughs> yeah, so that was like insane though. But like, yeah, it can get crazy. <laughs> See, it's weird because I like one-on-one -on -one okay. less, one -on -one lessons, but I don't mind when there's chaos and a lot. Like I can just move them out amongst it and everyone's fine, you know? Yeah. At one point, there were kids. There were kids just walking around. They looked like they were punch drunk, and it was like seven in the morning, and they had been riding too much, and they were just like zombies. Like I'm like, you all right? And they're like, Ugh. I'm like, all right, dude. I'll check with you a little bit. And I have a compilation. I filmed the compilation of kids just passed out wherever, like under shit, on shit, like. Just on the core pipes or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I had like a 30 second montage of just kids just crashed, like could not hang. I've stayed up all of them. Although the last one I just did, we did like a third one. I uh, was sick for like three days after it. Oh man. One of those little motherfuckers got me sick. <laughs> I was sick. I was like physically sick. I was like, God, I got like the flu afterwards. Yeah. Survived it though. Nice. Oh, and then uh, Atlanta. Atlanta's sick, dude. Um, Jeremiah Babb, uh, yes. Grand yes. Grand Bickerstaff, um, dudes killed it. I so sick. I I've been through there a lot, dude. I skated that hubba in the parking garage. Remember that? Yeah. One? Switch crooked. It. It's pretty hyped on that. Yeah, that's gnarly, dude. It's so steep, right? 
Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a rail. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a hubble, but it's like it's narrow too. Is so. it still skatable? Yeah, yeah. People fucked that thing up, and like PJ going over the hubble on the side and stuff was sick. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that thing was sick. What else? Did BA Trey flip lip that? I feel like he might have. I think so. I know he got. Man. So good though. Yeah. Um. I have to go back and look at that stuff too. Yeah, and then um, I remember that long rail too. It was a round black rail. It's long yeah. front side. Is it a double set or whatever. What's that? Is it over a double set kind oh, of? Oh, I know that one. No, I'm talking about the one that like I think Gons did a trick on it. It's like low but super long. It's back. It's black. I know Zared like switch crooked, which is insane to think about. Yeah. But the one you're talking about, that double set one, was sick as hell. Yeah. Yeah, I like Atlanta. The skating is sick there. We actually just went there with all I need, too, um, not that long ago. We hung out with uh, Ben Hayes while we were down there. That was sick. He, like, you He's know. So <laughs> yeah, you know Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he was fun, dude. He took us fucking to some gnarly ass spots, and uh, we filmed the whole edit, and then Ben took us to this river, which was sick, where you just basically just drift down the river, and there was tons of people there. It was so sick. Yeah, Atlanta's sick, man. There's so much good skateboarding there. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. Is that, where are you at right now? Is that... I'm in, uh, so I'm in Ackworth, which is, like, basically 20 minutes north of Atlanta. So it's, like, the city's not far at all, but it's, like, suburbs out here. Nice. So, like, you know, the as far as the skate scene where I'm at, it's, like, you know, I have Swift Cantrell, the park, like right by my house and then there's like brook run skate park which is also really sick that's like plaza style like rails double set that's probably like 25 30 minutes and then there's like fourth word in like downtown atlanta and that's like stratosphere skate shop and that's like probably 25 minutes 30 minutes hell but, yeah yeah we went we went down by stratosphere last time um grant and his dad right is it yeah thomas is it Taylor. thomas thank you yeah uh yeah. Yeah, that's a cool little area over there. Yeah. It's sick. But yeah, that shop's been there for a long time. Is it still going? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yep. I wonder how many years it's been in business. It's been a while now. Yeah, it has. I, I don't know exactly, but... I'll look it up like, after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's like something I'll have to, like, I'll be, like, doing something later. I'm like, oh, yeah, and I'll just start Googling it. Like, it'll just, it won't go away. That's going to come back to me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Atlanta's sick, dude. I like the music, too. I always like hip-hop, like, uh, Ludacris, right? So good. <laughs> yeah. Dude, imagine in the South, too, didn't like roller skating. Like, they had roller skating night, and they did, like, a lot of cool stuff with that as well. I'm gonna look into that. Yeah, like, people would go to, like, you know, like, not rollerblading, but, like, roller skates. Okay. And they go to the spot and, like, get all tech with it. I was like that. I gotta oh, yeah, yeah. It yeah. Actually. <laughs> I feel like that's part of it, like, there. Yeah. Yeah. Just pretty gnarly. It's, I don't know, it's a good community. You got, I like it. You got peaches. Peaches are delicious as well. <laughs> <laughs> have you Have you ever been up north? Um, yeah. Uh, so, my family is actually, like, my whole mom's side, they're from Chicago. So oh, sick. I'm actually, I'll be up there in about... A week or so, yeah, for yeah. New Year's. Yeah, Chicago is amazing city. Yeah, that's right. I haven't haven't traveled a whole lot, but pretty much like from the Midwest and then moved down to Georgia as a kid. So it gets cold as fuck in Chicago, right? 
Yeah, windy as hell too, like just bitter cold. Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah, this is a funny podcast because I, I think we're both gonna post this, huh? I'm down if I you're get, down. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you call it, like double cast or something, but I'm I down. Guess. Cool. <laughs> it's like collaborative minds. Yeah. So my question uh, is about podcasting. What's your experience been like thus far? Like, take me through starting it and like all that until where you're right now. Okay. So uh, starting out, definitely didn't know what I was doing at all. Um, <laughs> I had basically just like a mic where I would. I had to, like, pass it off. So, like, if you can imagine that, it was, like, super interview style. Um, I don't think I had an intro at all. I, like, and then the audio probably wasn't even, like, adjusted right. So mainly, like, I had to really think about that. And then also, I realized I had to be more conscious of the words I used, of how I wanted to express myself, and how just to... To come out and say something, not like, uh, before if I wanted to bring up a topic, you know, I would say, oh, I guess, like, you know, I would use, like, filler words rather than just being like, yo, what was up with this? Like, how do you feel about this? Rather than just asking the question. Yeah. So, it's definitely helped me be more conscious of my words and then just, uh, also just more confident in reaching out to people that I may not know directly i may have talked to them before but i'm we're not like super good homies or anything but uh it's been a good experience and i've like i've learned a lot and it's made made me like want to expand that uh that area and just you know i hope i hope someone's psyched on it like whether it's in the local community or whether it's one kid that listens to it every week or something or like it doesn't really matter for me as far as numbers or whatever. Yeah. I, I enjoy it, though. Yeah, because you should be yourself. You should be the whole world to that one person, you know? Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's a million people, but one person, you should still be the most authentic you and do the best you can do at it, even if it's only one person. Yeah, for sure. Because that's a good way to look at it, because then you're not chasing numbers. You're just being authentic and trying to enjoy it, you know? Yeah. It's a really good skill most people should most people could enjoy you know it's like some of my homies don't do podcasts but they get to come online and we get to have genuine conversations and see where we're at and talk about stuff you know and like catch up and like just reconnect and people can listen and then you get to know each other's character and you know like it's really good to do and for you know and if you're into business and you know why should someone buy anything from you if they don't know you you know like yeah people it's all about in America, remember the whole, I'm talking about people trying to sell you something and convince you or trip you or like whatever. It's like, chill the fuck out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. But that's cool. And how long has it been? How many episodes? Uh, who are some of the guests? No pressure. So I've, done, I've done like 15 episodes now. Damn, sick. Yeah, I started it. So now I haven't skated in a few months actually. Pretty bad. But uh, I've just been doing like physical therapy and then doing the podcast and stuff and a bunch of other stuff but as far as the guests go started off with just like some of my good homies uh this kid nate he rips he's got like a a really cool unique style like he started skating probably like five years ago so he's got he does all these like board slide pop over in a hurricane and he skates with rails on his boards and it's like (laughs) something that i'm just was not 
I wasn't aware of it or it wasn't the style when I started, so it's cool. And uh, I've had this guy Jed Davis on. He's like an older Atlanta skater. What up, Jed? Hell yeah. Yeah, he rips. I've had uh, Max Yoder. He like films all a lot of the Atlanta videos and he like went on King of the Road and stuff and filmed for uh, Element. And then uh, Patrick Patrick Nagy, uh, brand manager for Black Label. Nice. Um, yeah, and then just some of my friends who uh, one of my friends James, uh, he's had kind of a gnarly crazy story, but he rips and he's so good at skating and just really just cares about having fun skating. So just a bunch of different groups, I guess. Yeah. Do you um, are you ever nervous before them? Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I try, I try to, like, control it, but uh, usually I'll drink coffee or something during it. Sometimes I don't know if it helps or, like, hinders me because, you know, coffee makes you anxious, so sometimes I don't know if I'm just making myself anxious, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's normal, though. It's, like, it's it's a good thing to be able to exercise, you know, like... We have to do this in our daily lives. So, like, when I go see my friends again, friends I've known for 20 years, like, I, I don't know. A lot of us are busy. Like, I stay super busy. So, like, a whole day feels like a lifetime sometimes. So, like, I'll go back to the park and I'll see people. And you, like, got to re-meet people a lot, you know? Like, even just in your daily life. And we can get caught up in those narratives of just, you know, knowing that person. and blah, 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 blah. But it's sick to, like, shake it up and, like, try to... You have a platform where you can uh, reach out to anything, anyone about anything you want, you know? Like, really meet someone, whoever. Get outside your little, get outside your box, too, you know? Yeah, I'll say I, I kind of get the same feeling as, like, I haven't got this feeling in a while from skating, but when I was younger and would try to try a new trick that scared me, I would get, like, like, I remember my first handrail or whatever, got anxiety like crazy before, and just... I kind of get that same, like, little, like, nervous, like, excited, like, jitter, like, oh, shit, we're about to do a podcast, like, let's get it, but, like, like, nervous, but also, like, hyped, because the outcome can be very rewarding and, like, good, so. Yeah, yeah, it's never as bad as you think it is. <laughs> no, no, and then you're hyped, so. Yeah, cool. yeah, some, I, like, I come out with my lady be out there, and I'd be all super pumped, like, after podcast, she's like, you're all excited, I was like, yeah, I just had a sick conversation, <laughs> that's sick, um, do you have, alright, here's my question, do you, so, how long is it, so it's been 15 episodes, do you have, like, a schedule, do you have, like, I have to put one out a week? That's what I've been trying to do, I think there was... There's probably one or two weeks where I was like, you know, one, I, I didn't post it in time, and I think one week I just didn't post one, because I didn't have an episode, but uh, I try to, like, stay on it. It just depends, like, um, sometimes, you know, not knocking skateboarders, but we're all busy, so, like, sometimes an interview where you think it could have gone through, you know, something... Maybe they have to pick up a extra work shift or something, so they can't make it happen. But for the most part, I've been trying to stay semi consistent. Yeah. Have you ever done a solo podcast? Yeah, I did one. Um, man, I, I I don't think I've listened to it since I posted it. Just because <laughs> I was like, I don't know how how that came off, but I just threw it out there because it was just one night. I like wanted to get my thoughts out clear, so. 
I just started talking and, like, kind of shared some of my story. And I definitely didn't get it all out. Like, it wasn't, like, a structured, like, this is my skate story. A lot of it was just life stuff, but I think it helps. Yeah. It's, it's weird to be in a room by yourself and just be able to testify almost. Yeah. To see how honest you can be with yourself, kind of. Like, let's let's get this figured out. Because, like, for me it's hard, too, because, like... My thoughts are so fragmented from, like, violence and trauma and trying to forget bullshit because I'm just like, I don't even want to think about that. That was ugly, you know, like, so bad. Like, things that happened and the way people were or things, you know, like, to, like, try to talk it out. Like, it brings me to tears sometimes thinking about the shit, you know? And then yeah. it's funny, too, like, this technology is so crazy. Like, the I film a lot of vlogs. That's one thing I've been doing a lot is vlogging, like, filming just every session and like going on my way to like make edits and put them online and I like I started like getting super addicted addicted with it and it's like memory collecting that's how I look at it now I'm like oh it's kind of like yeah. same with the podcast it's like these con it's like sick to have a conversation with someone and like document it and have it and like if everything keeps going that's out there it's like a collection it's like collecting because like first time I was sponsored like all this content of me I didn't really like I have a lot of it but like someone else put it out and created it and put it out, you know, like, I didn't have all those memories, you know, like, so now when I go on a trip or whatever, I vlog a lot, I film a lot, because I'm like, I want these memories, like, they're not just in 4 and one I, like, wanted to have them in a little collection, now I have, like, a hard drive going, so it's, like, really sick to have it, kind of trippy to think like, about. But yeah, like, it's like looking, looking through, like, a photo album or something, but it's, like, your, you know, digital... Your digital album, I guess, yeah. or whatever, it's the like, videos and It's, like, fully submersive, too, because you can, like, go back and relive them. Like, I, it's weird when I film a skate session, I'll film it, and then I have to go through and edit it. And I go through, like, every clip and delete all the bails, and, like, I do it, like, really thoroughly. And then, like, so then I go back and watch it, and I'm like, whoa, like, months later, because, like, it's ingrained in my head what I, what, we filmed it, I was part of it, then I edited it. And then, months later, I'm watching it again. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. Like, and some of it wants to bring me to tears. Like, like, how fun and how good people are. And, like, how funny and witty people are. And, like, same with the podcast. Like, it's hard to go back and listen all the time. Because I'm like, it's, like, it's sick. But it's also, like, kind of humbling. You're like, whoa, this is insane. Like, all of this stuff. For sure. And you forget about stuff that happened. Or, like, maybe, maybe like, in the podcast sense... I'll, I'll forget that someone said something and then listen to it again and it'll make me laugh or like you'll forget a day that you went skating with your homies and then you look back and it was just like oh man that was so fun like we went to that gap and then we went to like Del Taco or whatever and it was just like just the little things but it makes it like the best day ever you know yeah and I bet those those memories would just be that much more valuable when you're older and you're like dude I just want to like remember where we came from you could like dip in if you you keep like that's what I tell people I'm like imagine if you had a YouTube channel if you did it for 40 years like and then like you had 40 years of collection like you could go back that would be insane all you but you like insane with the podcast it's like imagine if you had 40 years of that you could just but you have to have discipline, like some sort of schedule. I try to do one a week. I'll tell you that. Like, I it ends up doing way more just because I like to stack it on. But like one a week is fair, you know. Yeah, that's a good schedule. <laughs> I'm trying to find balance in it too, because you get like sometimes you get super hyped. You want to do the whole, everything at once, and then you know energy comes from rest. So sometimes you have to rest. You know, like if you're super ambitious and you like doing it, you can get high from doing stuff. You know, like yeah. 
So you gotta like find balance. So that's that's what it is. Because it's gotta be a long term game and sustainable, and you gotta enjoy it. And it takes time to build things. Like whether it's a podcast, a vlog, a brand, or whatever. Like, and we all have to learn. Because even those who thought they had it figured out when the recession hit, they had to adapt and learn. You know. So it's the same. You know. Like, and that's how it is. Like it's gonna only be get faster. You're gonna have to be flexible and pliable and try to not be too rigid in how you do things. You know, and adjust. In all things. And we need to just do that in our own lives and with ourselves and be forgiving and move forward and keep keep growing. Growing is weird because it's fucking change and change is the hardest thing for people. So you have to say you have to stay fluid and be able to take in new information and and process it and subject it and like define it and then move past it. Like it takes a lot, you know, and a lot of people a lot of people are consumers. You know, yeah. they don't want to think and they want to consume, and that's a fucked up thing to say. But like, if everything's sold at you, and you're you grow up in a country where it's like you gotta be the best, and here's why, and buy it all, and did it, and did it, like fuck you, you know, like in your face. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's not all uh, that America is. Like that's not all. I there's America. I remember it was about excellence. Like dudes were killing it in the heights of like how far could we take this? And you know, sometimes people make stupid mistakes and fuck things up, and the story gets ruined or whatever like a moral judgment like or whatever but like and people get nervous but i don't know i just remember when people really cared about the height of things and trying to get good at stuff and and it's like we got to keep doing that you know like we always got to keep doing that it's hard and i'm trying to remember that too it's like you have to do that daily you have to be like all right let's make this day good you know like <laughs> so many down at all like do you write stuff like uh whether it's like lists or like motivational stuff or do you just keep it in for the most part yeah i don't i don't write it out i just talk it out and um but i talk it out a lot like all my friends everyone around me i talk about stuff we talk about heavy content you know not all the time but like when it needs to be done like i like to talk about things if something comes up and i feel like i could tell someone something that, that could help them or could just help me remember it through expressing it again and again and relearning it again and again. Because mistakes, like, if you don't learn from them, they, the funny thing about mistakes is they just keep popping up because you don't get past it. So it's like a, in the system, a blank in the system. You're like, oh, oh, keep hitting this wall. I can't see it, you know? It's like you can yeah. see it and you can feel it. You just are not fixing it, you know? So the more you talk about stuff, the more you can understand it, the more you can believe it. You can start to, like, you know, and you got to talk to all different types of people so you can test that belief and that idea. And then, like, you know, and then that thing might, you know, so it's just weather. It's like skating. When you try to learn a kickflip, you're like, have to do it every wrong way until you find the way that works for you. And then you have to keep doing it until you can like fucking forge a style with it and hold it and have it until you can do it in and out of things and up things and over things and faking all switch. Like until, you know what I mean? Like that type of focus and drive is like what it's like. And there's a lot of consumers, you know, like rather just be sold something or like, you know, whatever they can get, they can take, you know, like, yeah, or whatever they, yeah, they eat low-hanging fruit, maybe, but it's like, challenges are good for us, I really fucking believe that, and I, a lot of people do, I'm sure, I'm sure they do, but it's like, when you're growing up, it's hard to, like, want to challenge yourself, you know, or you only want to challenge yourself in one way, like, a whole person is not just good at one thing, like, I was talking to my buddy the other day, he owns No Problemo, Taqueria in New Bedford, Mass, uh, Craig Piva, he rode for Torque with Stormy, and I was like, yeah, like, you're not one thing, you're a father, he has, like, five kids, I was like, you're, uh, you're an entrepreneur, because you started your own business, 
and then you're a great skateboarder, so, like, you're a skateboarder. It's like he's, like, multiple things, you know, like, to multiple people. He might even be a grandfather now, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, he hopefully he will be, you know what I mean? Like, you've mastered a lot of things, you know? Like, <clears throat> I don't know, that's why whenever I hear someone talking about what they want and, like, getting sponsored and getting rich and all that stuff i'm just like what are you gonna even if you won the lottery you just give the money right back to whoever is fast because you wouldn't know how to run a brand you wouldn't know you just buy all the stupid shit and indulge in it and it'd be gone you know what i mean like yeah it takes you that's why i say no one escapes work because you got to learn to work before you know what you're gonna work at you know what i mean like a lot of people die like oh what i'm gonna do it's like it doesn't matter what you do just fucking do something like Go try to be good at anything. Like, get the worst fucking job you can find. Like, challenge yourself. Like, see if you can... You know what I mean? Like, and polish that turd until it's a diamond. And then just keep going and going and going and going. And that's like, life is long, you know? And it gets scary to, like, define yourself. But... Yeah. It's, you can't say you're one way and then just expect that to hold through... Yeah. Through your life. Like, you gotta constantly... Yeah, you gotta reaffirm it again and again. That's just like a trick. It's like, you can land a kickflip... Yeah, you've landed three, but can you really kickflip, you know, like, maybe, maybe not, because when you're young, it's like, you get it, you're like, you're on to the next, on to the next, like, and it's like, I did that with skating, I learned a tons of shit, and then I had to go in and fill the gaps, because, like, I, I was too focused on a certain thing, you know, because, like, whatever, I just had it in my head, you know, I was influenced by something or some stupid shit, and, like, I just... You know, but there's, the good thing about getting older when you're 35 is so you don't give a fuck, so you just do whatever you want on your board, you know? Like, luckily for me, there's like a million things to do. I just keep finding new shit. It's insane. It's so fun. Like, especially if you can go to different parks and find different lines and like, it's like endless, you know? And it's not easy. God damn it. They all, the, all these kids want the easy thing. It's like, and their parents are like, yeah, put them on the scooter because it's safer. Little do they know that it's not safer. Those things are rattly and metal and like the kid's head is coming down by the bar and like they could just learn to balance on their own without a handlebar and like hold it without having that thing right there. I've seen some horrific videos. I mean, I've seen it for skating too. Don't get me wrong. Skateboarding is fucking dangerous, especially if you like don't take your time and really practice it all the time and you just jump on that thing. There's so many dudes are like, I used to skate and they get on the board and it's like, they get injured. Yeah. yeah, and even us that obsess about it, we get injured because maybe sometimes we try to go against our style and learn a trick that doesn't work and we just keep doing it until you hurt yourself and then you're like, oh, my body wasn't ready for that thing yet. Like, there's a whole progress in learning tricks is... That's the whole thing about skate lessons. We start from our center of balance, and then we learn from the ground up. And then we also skate a lot of tra transition. You know why? Because transition puts you off balance. We're, that's exactly where you need to be to find balance. And we start from the bottom up. We don't just drop in. We go from the bottom, and we work our way up to the top. We earn that, that up there so you can ride every inch of that ramp until you understand it. Then you're ready to drop in on it, you know? But yeah, like skateboarding reminds me of that all the time like find the balance start you know start slow and go into it and then after like two hours and if you've been skating for 20 years you can almost just make shit up sometimes on your skateboard it's like retarded you know like i've i still watch i see it with brandon westgate all the time and that guy just fucking blows my mind on a regular basis like and the funny thing about westgate is like he's like 
he doesn't like he knows like he's good you know but like he doesn't care like it's not like it even affects him like he's always hard on himself like not like not like in a bad way but he has like a standard and he like does not deviate from it you know <laughs> and I was like dude Brandon you don't even understand like even you dicking around is like what people want to see like they I think they'll just watch even your mediocre shitty stuff is like, like I would die to be able to ollie that <laughs> Brandon's like my fa Brandon's family and like He's like my little brother. It's kind of, but now it's like he's, he's like, we're like equals. He's not so much a little brother anymore. It's like he's a grown man, but he's still shorter than me. <laughs> Put <Fine. in> <laughs> yeah, this was fun, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hell yeah. Um, one second, all right. Okay. Or did you want to wrap it up? This is a double podcast. I don't know how to end it. Did you want to say anything? Um, I'll probably go back and say something at the end. Oh. That's what I usually do, but. You're good. Um, cool. Thanks for having me, I guess, too. Uh, fucking hyped, dude. Yeah. Hyped everything you're doing on your scene and everything, and just hope the best for you. Keep working at everything you're doing. Hell yeah, Ron. That's what I got. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that a lot, man. And and I'm psyched that, um, that you're doing a podcast. It's cool. Thanks. Thanks. It seems like a good challenge, you know what I mean? It is. Yeah, and there's so much to learn, and so many people, and it's like, a lot more people should, two things, if I'm giving any advice to pro skateboarders, for sure, just start some sort of show, like a podcast, or something that tests your ability as far as, like, communication and uh, interaction with people, is would be great for you, so podcast, um, and skateboard lessons, for fuck's sake, just like, you'll never forget while you do it, if you, like help someone else get into it it's like the sickest thing to do and they might actually want to buy your board one day you know like because you were cool to them and introduced them like that's grassroots skateboarding you know what i mean like keep yeah. the stoked past the if you got a spark you got to share that spark you know what i mean yeah so it's like you got it because other people could turn on and fucking you could have a roaring fire dude it'd be insane of skateboarding <laughs> Sick. Riley, thank you, man. And uh, maybe we'll give it some time. We'll do this again, man. And if you ever want me to introduce you to anyone for the podcast, uh, just think about it and then text me a name and I'll, I'll, I could always introduce you. Try to. Uh, I'd be down for sure. I'll keep that in mind. Hell yeah. And, um, yeah. And, I mean, I have people out here that ride for my company and stuff, too. If you ever want to talk to them, that's like, they, I'm sure uh, they'd be down. I could try to rig it up. Something like that, okay. you know. That'd be a cool way to work together, you know. Okay. Oh, hey, real quick. Um, if people want to buy All I Need Gear or World Gear, oh, where's okay. you? Yes. Where, where can they go? Okay, so if you're a skate shop, you could go to Eastern or Ocean Ave Distribution, and you can cop the boards there, which is awesome. And then if you don't live near, if you're someone who just shreds and you don't live near a skate shop that or at all, or if they don't carry All I Need, then we got our online skate shop. It's alllineedskate.com. And you can actually get world boards on there too, because I bought some from World, because uh, I wanted to sell them on our site too. And one actually sold today. I was pretty stoked. So yeah, and uh, yeah, everything's up there. The cool thing about the site that I really like, the the store is awesome. Because like honestly, I always encourage people to go to skate shops. Like please go to if you have a skate shop near you, go there and just check it out. Because skate shops are awesome. But if you uh, 
if you're shopping online, we have the basically I look at it like our skate shop. But I encourage people to go to the website for the content because that's where all the podcasts, all the vlogs, all the updates, all the events we go to. Surf Expo jams coming up at the end of January. That's going to be sick. So if anyone's in Florida, we're doing that mini ramp jam at Surf Expo. Uh, if there's any skate shops out there that have riders, you guys can sign them up. Uh, we can get a link to you. You can just go to surfexpo.com and check that out. It's going to be sick. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's it, man. All right. Hell yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Peace. Peace.